Hey, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise and the TV show Holliston, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkhead. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is sadly always on the verge of mania. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we go from madness to panic as we kick off a month-long panic attack that is a celebration of this year's Panic Film Festival. And if you're nice and calm, you will definitely be able to find us online. All you need to do is search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your panic attack, tack, 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 hole. <sighs> Billy Joel, I was not anticipating a little Billy Joel up in that hole. I that is good. I love Billy Joel. Oh, no, I'm all I'm forever a piano man, my friend. And if you are, uh, you know, uh, definitely having a panic attack on the social media, you can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on the Book of Face. Where we have the tab formerly known as Shenanigans. Unfortunately, as of right now, this episode is going to release on April 3rd. All up in your quarantine hole. You're not kidding. Uh, You know, if we could afford the rights to Bob Dylan, the times, they are Mm -hmm. changing. Now, obviously, we would never poke light of things. No, shit's crazy out there, you know, but... We're we, even right now. Normally, when we record, not that we're up in we're each other's grills, right? We're not like like looking longingly. <laughs> there's a, there's actually a little uh, um, little mic cord in between us. Like, yeah, you there's know, some the distance. There, there, no, we're, there we're really adhering by like I I can stretch out and I can t- I cannot exactly, touch you exactly. Yeah. So we're taking this serious. But Reach out and don't touch someone. You are not kidding. I mean, <laughs> we are living in an un unprecedented time at this point and i'm hoping by the time this releases hey maybe by the time we're recording this releases everything is all good maybe but but we're yeah so time frame we're a little bit before april so oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah we're in the past so uh, yeah hopefully by this will release two years out there <laughs> but if not welcome to the wasteland <laughs> do you have your outfit planned i do but i'm not 100 sure if i'm gonna go more thunderdome or more turbo kid but i it might be a mixture of the two i was gonna rock the lord humongous i was gonna leave the grass and walk away but i don't have the body just yet so like <laughs> i haven't re- <laughs> body by apocalypse yeah body by apocalypse like laugh or die oh, <laughs> and what's sad is the fact that we're only really for the most part we're still good i mean like every- well, not even that we're like a handful of days into it and that already madness is seething in for some people which leads me to believe we're effed man quite honestly so if anybody knows how to play any saxophone i'm gonna need yeah. some tauntauns so <laughs> dun, 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 dun. dude we're gonna be like dude remember what we were talking about in uh in our uh, uh a boy and his dog episode when they go into we're, the, we're like, hosting the, the we're wasteland hosting theater the wasteland theater it's gonna be the post apocalypse 42nd street is gonna be fucking us <laughs> leave the sleaze and walk 
walk away. <laughs> Remember to tip your wait staff. <laughs> That's not your property. You know. <laughs> and again, we make we're we're having some fun with it, but it is very serious you gotta laugh, out there. But you gotta laugh too. You do. And the reason we're doing all this at this point is obviously as the socially awkward introvert that I am, um, and that I've been very honest about my, you know, dealing with depression and anxiety. Obviously, anyone dealing with that right now, it's kicked into overdrive. And, you know, it's not only the worry of what's going on, but it's also with my family. Right. With my film family. And bottom line, take, I mean, very much like a Jerry Springer episode, you know, take care of each other. Let's, let's, Let's stay smart. Let's stay safe. Yeah. So we can still come together. And you know, celebrate that what this podcast is all about, and just you know, film and the, again, so the finding of your film family. We're still human. We're still civilization. So let's be civilized. Very much so. Yeah. We we don't have to necessarily go to the level of a Gremlins two. No, but we can be smart about it and be yes. Gremlins one. Yes. So like, yes, yeah. So again, make sure we're taking care of each other out there now. If you're new to the show, this is your first episode. This is Welcome. regular. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're listening, to, if you're an, you know one of the dirty dozen out there, you're probably initially hearing the theme and going, wait, what the hell is that? Something new. Absolutely. And it is something new we got because of our kind of extension of the film family. And you're listening to an original piece by Doug McCarthy. Now, Doug McCarthy... We came across his work through social media, actually. Mm-hmm. It was through a Twitter interaction of all right? things. So bizarre. And again, as socially awkward as I am in person, I'm technically even worse online. If, if you notice, for the most part, our Twitter, when I say our, for the most part, it's me online with the nightmare junk. And I'll come and like post every like... Through El Genius. Yeah, <laughs> occasionally. Yeah. But it's usually, for the most part, it's promotion of our show and retweets of other shows that I enjoy. So it's very rare that do I interact. I'm just awkward that way. So my apologies to anyone that's out there like that. Like, dude's a snob. It's not, I'm not a snob. I'm just awkward. And I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good combination, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's why we have a dirty dozen. There we go. Um, But ultimately, (laughs) um, I came across his work, and it really dug. It was very John Zorn-esque. If you were a fan of John Zorn's work, very challenging. But it's it's got this cool layered approach. And I really dug it. And I was like, hey, it reminds me of John Zorn. He's like, I'm not really familiar. I was like, cool, check out John Zorn. So we started following each other. And someone that was putting out a short needed someone to compose some music. And I was like, hey, I just met this individual. And I a Twitter interaction, and sure enough, he got to score the short. Awesome. Which was amazingly That's awesome. Rad, it dude. was so cool. Cause I, I saw it happen. I was like, I'm not responsible for it, but again, I got to see it happen. Yeah. So thank you, Doug, for the and listen, the the little bit I he added, he was like, What do you want? And I was like, make it mirthful and menacing. And he's like, oh, thank, I haven't used, heard the word use mirthful in a while. <laughs> but obviously, I think he hit, he hit it yeah. just bullseye. Yeah, it's, it's like fucking rad to know that it's the musical version of us yeah. through him. Through him. You know, and that's fucking, that, that's heartwarming. So, like, so if fucking, you dig his work. Yeah, definitely check him out. Absolutely. Now, he's on all social media for the most part. DM Music 3RD. Uh, but definitely Doug McCarthy on SoundCloud. Check him out. Good, good mm-hmm. stuff. Well, that's your fucking rad, man. It is, and it's kind of cool to have our own theme now. I know, so it's fucking Doug. slick. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Um, now, speaking of the film family, we owe a lot to you know the theaters that we go and worship in. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, with things the way they are, it's, it's, it's our, a scary time. Our temples have closed. They have. They have. But we continue to worship one way or the other. We still must tithe. We, we don't. <laughs> 
Oh, don't get me started. Have you seen that video going yeah. around? Oh, oh boy. yeah. Oh, well, you know yeah. what? You know what? Here's the thing. The tithings you give at this point will give you quality content that you will be able to see and enjoy. It's not some promised afterlife. It's stuff you're going to be able to cash in right now. And it's not going to line anybody's pocket. Not at all. No, in fact, it is going to help these people out. In fact, uh, Adam, uh, Brent, Jacob, Addy, Abby, Jenny, all those folks through Screenland, they've put together a Patreon to help you know, support during the time. Because there's a small independent business, theater chain. Yeah, absolutely. That's tough for what's going on right yeah. now. And they're living up to their indie as fuck title. They are they are tried and true because they're not like, oh, we're going to take this lying down. Oh, fuck no. They're all about the movies. They're, t- they're one of our temples for a reason. And they've become, you know, not even film family, but literal, you know, family yeah, for the most part. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. These are all people that I've we've had on the show that have been in my home. Mm-hmm. And listen, I will say this. If you've been on the show in my home. Your you family. Are, absolutely. You know, if mm. you've made it out of the basement. Alive. You're lucky in family. <laughs> <Right>. But. <laughs> but they have put together a Patreon. And with this, ultimately, you're not just, you know, help supporting them through this time. They're putting out content, and they've got yeah. two different tiers. Now, I will say this. I am a Patreon of multiple podcasts. I'm a Patreon of The Movie Crypt. I'm a Patreon of We Hate Movies. I'm a Patreon of The Record Room, formerly the damn fine cast, Tony Giles. I also became a Patreon of 3B Video. Shout out to Chris and uh, Dustin over there. For, uh, really good YouTube content. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, these are people that some are friends, some are people I admire. Just, again, help promoting and providing content right but they've got two different tiers here they've got a five dollar tier and a ten dollar tier now a five dollar tier they're going to actually have podcasts Mm -hmm. and watch parties live parties going along now i will say this do you think with the podcast maybe there's something that we could do to help we're trying to get people to buy this we really don't want to say our (laughs) association yeah that's a cut it cut it cut it No, indeed. We, of course, and he was nice enough to reach out. Um, Forever Bogus right now is, right now is this evening, they're putting on a live, so we're going to be doing live streams, commentaries, Q&As, all sorts of good quality content. Yes, absolutely. In theater, through Skype. Again, we want, we talk the communal experience, Mm -hmm. and it's legitimate. If you go to anything that we host, uh, we talk about cinema is sacred, right. and it truly is. And in these trying times, and again, we understand we can offer can't eggs all day. Yeah. in these <laughs> trying times, but sometimes but, you need a little bit more than eggs. But also, we understand this time. It's almost not absurd to ask, but in these trying times, this is where we come together. Yeah, yeah. and for people like us, where cinema is sacred, where the theater is, um, you know, that communal. This is how we come together and we pull together. But they're providing content. Yeah. There is much. So it's you're getting so stuff. So you're getting stuff. A lot es- of stuff. Especially if you're going to be stuck in for whoever, however long. And they just released their first episode, Adam and Jacob uh, put together. And it was basically kind of the mission statement to give you an idea of what it's like. So if you are interested in doing this, please check them out. It's going to be on. It's patreon.com slash screenland. Yeah. And I'll say this. I went ahead and I signed up. I'm in the tears. And and it's good that it's that we're doing this on the Panic Fest episode because we wouldn't have a Panic Fest without Screenland armor. So this is even more prescient and important. No, it truly and you know, listen, I'm not gonna say that we've waxed the car that is everyone over there, but they are our friends. They've yeah. provided so many memories for right? me. Wolf Cop. 
Uh, fucking... this, this is the past panic fest. Yeah. Everything, everything. You know, they're all family. So this is where we can take care of each other. So again, check them out. And you can just go to screenland.com. You can pick up some gift cards as well to utilize them when this passes. Because mm-hmm. this will pass. Yes, this too shall pass. Indeed. How long it takes. Again, let us stay safe and smart. That's up to us. So let's right. be safe out there. It sounds like a, a Hill Street Blues episode. <laughs> be safe out on the hill. Indeed. Well, continuing the Patreon train here. Yes. This is something we've talked about often because... Before all this shit went down, we this talked is true. about yeah, this. I should say, yeah, this is... And I'm not saying we're trying to be opportunistic here or anything. No, 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 no. But, like, the wheels were set in motion, and I think now would be a good time. Absolutely. Just to test the waters here. But we are going to be starting a Patreon. Yes. And we are going to have tears and we're, you're going to, and you know what? We're not just asking, we're giving too. kind of like in UHF, like everybody gets a, a share. We're going to be given away. <laughs> There's we're, not going to be again, many wheel of fish. Want, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you so stupid. <laughs> we don't need no thinking badgers. So, <laughs> well, this is going to be launching in the month of May. So the content itself will be avail- available in the month of May. So mm-hmm. it's ideally given us a month to talk about it, to, to decide truly if we want to go through do it with or this. not. <laughs> and again, hopefully there is stuff to talk to in the month of May, right. where we're doing this acoustic, you know, a la a boy and his dog. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> well, we have four different tiers here for you to choose from. Now, and again, I understand if you cannot provide anything or go, I understand cool. totally. We're, we're still going to be providing content Absolutely. at uh, no charge. That will never change. No, we will still be doing our and thing. In fact, the, I'm probably the reason just kicking and screaming because I've never wanted to charge for content. I always feel weird about that. Um, but the fact that we're 200 episodes in, the fact that we have a dirty dozen, you know, yeah. listenership out there. Um, I don't want to ask anything for anyone, but like I said, you're not. We're not asking and get not giving anything no. back. No, and we're gonna and rest assured, any money that we get from Patreon is going to be two shenanigans. Show. Yeah. So like, we're gonna see if we can get more things. Carrying costs, literally keeping the lights on for the show. Right, right, right. So you know, uh, it's 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 a win win for everybody. It is because you're gonna get some cool content because we got some cool tiers for you. Well, let's talk about those tiers then. Our first one. This is our <laughs> this is our entry tier. This mm-hmm. is. One dollar a month. One dollar a month. For one dollar a month, you too can get squiddly diddly. This is our. It is our squiddly diddly tier, and for one dollar a month, we are going to send you a little Nerds of Nostalgia and Nightmare Junkhead button. The kids all love the buttons, mm-hmm. and we're also going to give you a personalized shout out on the regular show. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, as well, if you have something to maybe plug or promote, we'd love to. As- now, assuming it's not something. As long as it's in the vein of nightmare junk, right? We're not going to like some some alt right thing. Sorry, it's not going to happen. And also, we're not going to do like Ray's Discount Sex Emporium off Highway Fifty Two unless we get a good discount. Because that's genius, not me. Sorry, I am not. (laughs) You can't buy me out. I'm sorry. That's just ridiculous. As I'm pull for my Coca Cola, (laughs) right? Because I'm all about value. Uh, but we'll definitely give you, ideally, as long as, again, it's Nightmare Junk had approved, we'd love to, you know, plug and promote. That's Absolutely. our main thing. Absolutely. Um, so we'll definitely do that. Now, the next tier up is the I've Seen That tier. I've seen that. Now, for $3 a month, you're going to get both the buttons. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a shout out. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be providing at least one monthly new episode review. Yep. A so new, a new review. A new review. Yes. Well, we, so oh. a newer movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that is, is still in theaters or comes out recently on, v- exactly. on VOD or a new release to streaming, but something new that we've 
start seeing for the first time ourselves, we will let you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And then if you're feeling even saucier, the next tier up is... The, another time. Another time tier. Now, again, you're going to get the buttons. You're going to get the shout out. You're going to get the new uh, new released episode. Mm-hmm. And then once a month, you're going to get a commentary track. Exactly. What's it going to be? Who knows? It's going to be a grab bag of fun, but it's going to be a movie that we're going to have a good time with. And hopefully you're going to have a good time with, too. Now, that being said, that does mean commentary tracks now technically will be an exclusive Patreon you know, exclusive, mm-hmm. so to speak. But there's still a whole bunch of good ones in our back the catalog. The back catalog will always be available. I definitely, check, definitely check out The Silent Night, Deadly Night. That is one of my personal favorite ones that we've done. So. so we go from another time to... Another place. Which is our top tier. And for $10 a month, you get, again, the buttons, the shout-out, the new release, the commentary track, and... You get to choose what we talk about next. You get to choose an episode of Nightmare Junkhead with some stipulations. Much like... Like, you know, promotion of art and this and that. Right. We're not going to like review Ray's Sex Emporium off Highway 32. I don't want to view that's a on, film. That's on my blog. That would make machine blush from 8, mili- eight millimeter. Let's yeah, put it that way. We're, no, we're definitely no snuff, no Serbian films, no like crazy. Don't try and like, you know, man, you got to see this faces of death type shit, but it's real, you know. Remember, it's got to be us because you. If we see it and we talk about it, you might not like what we talk about. So just remember. And again, this will be exclusive to the feed, so this will only go out to Patreon members. Exactly. So when you when you request us to do an episode, we're going to give you all we're, we're all gonna, credit, or in this case, we're going to be blaming you. Right, right. So this is what you want. This is what you get. <laughs> so, like I said, that will be launching in the month of May. But man, that's the best intro here because again. Staying with Film Family and staying with This Is What You Want. This Is What You Get. This episode that we're launching here in the month of April is our live hardware discussion that we had at Panic Film Fest. This was so much fun. I had a blast on this. We... Be officially became a gang, right? <laughs> we, we became a gang. So now when we go to a temple with all of our, <laughs> we'll truly be street tough. <laughs> exactly. What kind of tough street tough? Los locos. Well, this is the ch- we had the chance to talk hardware with Joe Lynch, which let me again was a bucket lin- bucket item thing for me. Absolutely, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still got the beaming smile just even talking. I'm like, oh, Joe Lynch, like like ah, dreamy. Quite honestly, I don't remember what we talked about. Have no, I do either. I was just floating a fucking cloud nine. I the do whole remember time. Short Circuit Two. Yeah, and I also remember, and this was for me the best part because I got to share a, a really deep movie crypt cut because I mentioned Jaws, The Revenge. I remember that distinctly because I was like, "Ooh, shared moment." It was great, uh, but check it out, and it it sounded great. Came out great. Joe was wonderful. Apparently, I freaked him out with the Gremlins too. With the Gremlins too. I yeah. didn't even remember that. Perfect, because in terms of the madness that still is yeah, lingering exactly. from the month of March, um, but then we're following that with a Panic Fest dispatch, and this is our conversation with local filmmaker Patrick Ray. Mm-hmm. This was fantastic, and the fact that we haven't had him on a, just a regular episode. It's is, a travesty. We got to change that soon because one, he's a solid dude. Two, yes. he makes fantastic movies and shorts. And three, he's right here in Kansas City. I know. Well, technically, we'll give little Lawrence, Kansas, some some love there. Yes, true. But our conversations talked about you know metro his, area. His yes, yes, uh, Kansas City adjacent. Yeah. Uh, but his contributions to Panic Fest also. We talked a lot about Star Wars. So prepare <laughs> yourself. This episode is a lot of sci-fi talk, yeah, ultimately. It's not It's not another time, another place. It's a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, but ultimately, again, um, hopefully everything is getting safe out there. But mm-hmm. um, thank you again for listening in. Check out Patreon for Screenland. That is available right now. Yep. 
as of as now. You know, ours won't be. You can sign up now, but Screenland is available right now, putting out content. Uh, so thank you all for you know attending to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, hope you enjoy our conversations with Jill Lynch and, and Patrick Ray. And you know what? Even if you don't sign up for our Patreon, we still thank you for listening. Oh, of course. I mean, oh, that oh, goes without saying. That goes without saying. Listen, and- I anticipate. No Nothing, people on Patreon. Right? Me too, me too. But, but we're still going to put out some good stuff for you because we all need a good laugh. And we and you know what? We all yeah. need to come together and horror is the thing that does it. Well said, my friend. So until that time, stay safe and don't panic. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, coming to you live from the Panic Film Festival here in Kansas City, Missouri. Panic Fest, how are you hardware horror hounds doing tonight? Excellent. Indeed. Well, guys, my name is Greg D. And I'm Genius Mickey. And I'd like to welcome those in the audience and those listening at home to a rare Nightmare Junkhead live taping. Yeah. And if we are taping a live episode of Nightmare Junkhead, Genius must mean? It must mean Panic Fest! Yes! How are all of your Panic Fest going so far? Because mine has been fucking fantastic. If you've been having a good time, say fucking fantastic. Beautiful. Wow. They even had the same timbre. I love it. Love it. One thing we love to say about Panic Fest, and something we've been saying from the beginning, is Panic Fest is where you make memories. And whether it is friends, whether it is movies, what have you, memories are made. And genius, we've been making memories here for many years at this point. For a few years. For a few years. One of my favorite memories was... uh, uh, screening of Wolf Cop, I came in and I was like, Wolf Cop, right? And then the next thing, poop, I fell up three stairs, fell he, up three stairs. But, uh, but, what did you not drop? Not a drop of my booze. Not a drop. <laughs> That's a fucking champ right there. No, Screenland Panic Fest has been the site of some of my most wonderful and most embarrassing times uh, here in a the theater. Uh, we, I, Ball, I ugly cried at Train to Busan here. We, we all ugly cried at Train to Busan. I showed Fabio Fritzi a picture of my cat. It's a long story. Cat hole. Right? And today, so today, so we've been coming to Panic Fest for fucking ever, right? And I've been loving it. And my mom decided, she goes, hey, I want to go see what all this Panic Fest you've been talking about is. So I'm like, yeah, sure, 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 come on. So we went to see the movie Death Sember, which is a cool horror anthology. Now, really quickly, when he, Death Sember, did anyone Anybody see, see that? It? Oh, okay. So you may have been. The, were you by yourself? <laughs> no, no. That been it was, it was a full, then. I wasn't. It was, this is Greenland Armor, not Forty Second Street. All <laughs> That's right. Fair. That is I fair. wasn't like. <laughs> ah, right. No, but uh, <laughs> no. So we're watching the movie, and everything's fun, fantastic. But one of the segments in this anthology is this cartoon claymation about like a diddling priest. And it's oh, someone said awesome. Who said awesome? No. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, the no, no. That brought yeah, us it rocks. sounds fucking awesome until you're seeing this like kid get sodomized on claymation with your mom sitting right next to you. So I'm sitting there in the theater and everything's hunky fucking dory. And then all of a sudden I just. Uh, welcome to Panic Fest, mom. <laughs> she just had a, one eyebrow raised up and was like, wow, this is interesting. And so. 
I'm going to hear a lot about that tomorrow. <laughs> well, speaking of making memories, one of the things that we love to be able to do is to support our film family. And I can say proudly that I am a Movie Crypt Patreon. In fact, I know we have a few of us in here. Please, raise your hand or make some noise if you are a member. That's a film family. And if you are not, I encourage you to please check it out and support those people that are supporting and inspiring us. And um, he's not even whistling Dixie. I'll call him up on a Sunday uh, afternoon. And I'm like, hey, what you doing? He's like, I'm getting my Crip burrito life. ready. I'm getting my burrito ready to listen to Movie Crypt. And I'm like, all right, I'll see you in a couple of hours. It would be a <laughs> breakfast burrito, and that is because of one individual, an individual that has inspired many here at the Panic Film Festival. In fact, a few of us shed tears last night at uh, the live Movie Crypt podcast when this guy that is coming up here... Uh, it We're going to wax his car a little bit. We ain't, are even, gonna... ain't even going to lie. I got an industrial gallon of turtle wax... The Sham Wow, and we're ready to fucking rock. Indeed. So please welcome to Nightmare Junket for the first time, and welcome back to Panic Fest, the one and only Joe Motherfucking Lynch. <laughs> oh God, that's an intro. Right I had to give an intro. I had, I had to make an entrance. Uh, guys, wow, fuck, we just watched Hardware. We uh, we experienced Hardware. We all experienced. It, it, it got hard. NC-17 hardware. It got fucking hard. And uh, again, I had not seen that movie since the theaters. And again, that was a very quiet theater because there was nobody in it but me. But uh, the fact that you guys all stuck around uh, and watched that movie, which is relentless. It's a relentless film. Because, I mean, it also, it, it's like a Catherine Bigelow movie. It ends like five times. Um, <laughs> because like the first time it goes out the, the, the window, you're like, all right, that's right. Yeah. Well, well wrapped up. All right, let's go home. Let's go, mm -hmm. you know, get the kids. Um, and then it, this thing doesn't stop. And watching it with a crowd, and th there was this sense of anxiety because it's like, is this thing fucking done yet? Like, and but that's the that's the element that I think they properly siphoned from the first Terminator. You know, when you watch James Cameron's first Terminator, it is relentless, and there is no stopping it in one form or another and that's what makes it so scary and you know like this I, I remember working at a video store uh, one of many and I remember when this movie came out on Laserdisc and the owner didn't know what genre to put it in because you know you look at the box or if you looked at the back of the Laserdisc there's nothing in it that would make you think that it was a horror movie yet I mean, it looks like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi film you mm -hmm. know it's like it would go comfortably next to Jean-Claude Van Damme's Cyborg, you know? <laughs> Maybe not comfortably, because that right. movie sucks, but um, somewhat. Um, but like it, the way that Richard Stanley was able to balance all the different tones and balance the genres, um, especially when he was making something that was, for all intents and purposes, it was just kind of one for them. You know, he wanted to make a movie. He knew the tropes that were gonna get the movie sold and, like, ma and made, and, uh, and he leaned into it. And, it plays so well on, on the big screen with like all of you, especially all the trippy shit. Like yeah. uh, someone was just mentioning before, it's like I never thought in the middle of this movie that it would stop dead and have an operatic death for Dylan McDermott. You know, the movie stops, but, and, and, and let's be honest, he's an asshole, <laughs> you know? And um, in the original script, uh, I, I think they might have actually used it and maybe cut things out for pacing or time, um, but Moe's character was dying. Um, and you know, there's that requisite like, 
whenever there's a character that's going to die in a movie, there's got to be that moment. <coughs> I'm good. <laughs> Walk it off. And you know that guy's dead at some point. Three days to retirement. And the way that they, they deal with that, I thought was really smart. And the fact that this character has, he's our, you know, he's our hero. And he's got this very operatic death. You know, it, it's, it, the movie works on levels that I think is both very indicative of what Richard Stanley was uh, going for at the time. Because when this movie came out in 1990, this is in the advent of the cyber, cyberpunk era. You know, you're William Gibson's and you're in, you know, in the, the, the term cyberpunk itself and uh, industrial music, you know, ministry and skinny puppy. And uh, I love, by the way, I love the fact that they have the ministry stigmata playing in the soundtrack, but Guar is the band that's on screen. You know, it's like, I don't know if there was a moment where someone was probably like, no one's going to fucking notice that, you know, and obviously everybody notices that. Um, but just the aesthetic that he's working off of. It, it's, it, it's very much a product of its time. And then when you look at something as accomplished as um, Color Out of Space, which is his new movie, I think, I remember seeing it the first time and I think I went in going, it's gonna be another cyberpunk movie because the last time that we saw Richard Stanley in kind of full mast was this film that has a very particular look, a very particular style and tone. And that's not Color Out of Space whatsoever. Mm -mm. But it still has those like flourishes that is so much Richard Stanley. That's just it. When you watch Color Out of Space, you go, oh, that's a Richard, Richard Stanley, Stanley jam. Movie. Yeah. And ultimately what I love with this film is it's just so saturated with colors yeah. and style. It almost felt like I was watching a full Fulci-esque kind of moment or, you know, something. Fulci? A Fulci, yes. You're catching but on. With yeah. the reds and the blues, but you also talk about the punk aesthetic as well. And I mean, it's just seeping out of this film. It feels like it's giving you a middle finger throughout, but you're okay with that. It's yeah, like, yeah. okay, it's good. The entire movie is just seeped in red to the point where you almost feel like you're looking at it through hardware vision. So, and I would say you, you, this, this film would like play well. I think you mentioned Terminator, but like do a triple bill of Terminator, Predator, and Hardware. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, one thing that I, I, God, I wish we would have said before the movie started because I'm gonna blow you all your minds right now for a second. Uh, you know the guy um, Victor oh, no. Weinberg, right? You know the, the creepy, creepy guy, neighbor, the, the wibbly wobbly dude. You're gonna kill some childhood. Yeah, yeah you are. Yeah, you are. You're about to murder him. That's Porkins from Star Wars. A peeping porkins. Do you hear what? <laughs> yeah, that's, porkins. that's the assistant from Flash Gordon. Munson. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. You know, like, and the, this guy's been, he, he was the, um, the shady detective in Batman. You know, like, he's, uh, his name is William Hootkins. Yep. Um, and again, like, when you watch it again, you're going to go, Ooh. fucking Porkins is dirty. Gross, right? You're going to see, like, him, like, controlling, like, the, the ship Stay. and he's and putting according, gloves on. According to this, to the, to, to my copious notes on IMDb, um, that he he uh, he improved all of those lines, oh. which also makes you think like, ew, that's dude. pure Porkins. <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't hear a stay on target. Yeah, stay on target. It's like shooting wall threats. Now, now, some very uh, advantageous YouTuber will take the stay on target with him, like taking pictures of the porn yeah. moment. <laughs> well, I'm really glad none of you are actually putting on like those gloves before you started getting up here and talking, because that could have been a little. See, I was thinking about it, like, 
<laughs> and that's where I don't come up. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. No, no, I think this, uh, the anal exam part of the show is not, not intended. This is an NC-17 cut, so we got to go full out on that. Now, NC-17 with the gore cut, what did you, anything stand out for you now since you've kind of been... I, I mean, I've seen the, the movie in the NC-17 version once on Blu-ray, um, but like many of you, I watched it over and over again on the VHS. So there are definite scenes that, like, when the uh, older gentleman gets killed by the door, of course, and then ultimately shoots his son, I think, well, his friend, what, I, I don't know, it, it's a little, it's a little weird. But the amount of gore that's in that, there was no chainsawing of the body uh, at the end, which, to be fair, I don't know what the fuck he was doing at that point. It, it just seemed like someone, like, came in and went, you need a chainsaw moment. Mm -hmm. And they're like, fuck it, just attach it to the Mark 13 and let him chow, you know, chew away. Um, the uh, hallucination scene wasn't as long, um, especially the, the stuff with the cuts. Mm -hmm. um, so the, it's, it's small, but at the same time, like, you know, we've been professing that this is the NC-17 cut or the X-rated cut or the unrated cut or whatever. It's, it, and it is incredibly gory at points, but considering what you get away with now on TV every week on The Walking Dead or whatever, you know, it, it's, it's nothing in comparison. Yet, it, it's the tone. And that's one thing that, like, I learned a very valuable lesson with tone in the MPAA. Um, when they were releasing um, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, John, John McNaughton's Portrait of a Serial Killer. Anyone seen Henry? Good, you're all very well-educated genre fans. Um, but that movie got an X rating when it came out. And when they asked, like they, when the director appealed and they asked what it was, they told them it wasn't for any specific scene. It was the general tone of the movie that was just so, um, I guess, repellent that, that that's what gave it that restrictive rating. And watching this movie back, I can't see anyone watching this in the MPAA and going like, this is a lovely piece of cinema. Like, <laughs> it, it really revels, and I think that's kind of what, and we talked about it a little bit with Richard um, on the movie crypt, um, how when you lean into an aesthetic that is so deliberate, like a movie like this, you know, nothing, there is no scene other than maybe like when Shade starts tripping balls, right? Even in that scene, there is a sense of decay and menace using colors and using the, you know, there's like a, a water effect that he has on the ground. There is constantly a sense of texture and chaos that makes you feel like it truly is the end of the world, you know? Just the moment when Shades is walking up the steps and there's a little kid tethered to what appears Ooh, to be a dead, dead body. body. And they're just, do, 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 Merry Christmas. You know, like, it's, it's almost how, and that, and to be honest, that is a pure directorial choice because you could, in the performance, have uh, John Lynch, who's the, the guy who plays Shades, you know, give a, a shot of concern. You can, in the edit room, add that or avoid it. But the fact that he just keeps walking up and there is just such a sense of whatever, that kind of tone permeates throughout the entire film in a really great way and makes you feel like there is no hope left. And when she talks about population control yep. and I love how the media gets used very, you know, it, it gets peppered in throughout the whole film. So by the time that you get to ang Angry Bob talking about how the Mark 13 is being mass produced, We've been given all that information through the media over and over again that you just go, well, wow, even, even the news has an arc yeah. and that there is that sense of doom. And I, I, again, I love the fact that this is a futuristic film set in 1990. 
you know. I'm not, sorry, not 2000, you know, like the year 2000, we're all fucked. Um, but that kind of bleak sensibility is what makes, at least at the time, made hardware unique because there was no hope. That's what I loved about it. But so. it's such an interesting world that he created. Like you're talking about all the little pizza. But it's a huge world. You have the water taxis. Yep. You have like big set pieces. For a movie that was sold, and like I believe um, they talked about it. By, by the way, uh, Joanne Seller, uh, who is or was for a very long time um, Paul Thomas Anderson's usual producer. This was her first movie. She was um, she worked on a bunch of Richard Stanley um, like punk rock videos and industrial videos. And, um, and if you ever get to watch the behind the scenes, there's this great part about like how she was the most unassuming person on set. Um, she was just this very short, like pixie looking girl, but she was like commanding people on set and that's how the movie got made. What, like Richard Stanley, of course, he's an artist, but everybody attributes um, how much hard work that Joanne had put into the film. And um, this was an independent film as much as it was you know, put out by Miramax at the time. Uh, I believe it cost about nine hundred thousand dollars, and um, wow. and and if you think about and that's that's wow. in U.S. dollars translated, if you think about how much world building was put into the film, um, do you guys know who Chris Cunningham is? Is uh, a British artist. He did a lot of the Aphex Twins videos. Oh. Um, uh, there's like two or three other very um, important industrial era artists that were all brought in to just create designs, video displays. Um, you know, the Mark 13 itself. When you have all these great artists who can come in and be able to help him build this world, you know, even down to just the analog keyboards, you know, like and the fact that there's no cell phones, you know, mm -hmm. that everyone's working off of like old car phones from the 80s and they're, make, they're retrofitting them into being futuristic and shit. Um, it's where you don't have the money and you can have ingenuity and even just kind of like old school technology or even just recycling some old pipes that were in a garage somewhere mm -hmm. that somehow makes it feel like it is 15 minutes into the future, you know? And to do it on that low budget, because you were saying like, you know, like a world building movie, let's be honest, that movie is mostly set in that fucking apartment. Right. You know, there are a few scenes here and there, like when they're walking through, um, what looks like a junkyard, down, yeah, you know? And that's kind of like their downtown walking scene. But they're walking through a junkyard. It's those little things that, as long as it's aesthetically peppered into the film, you, we all think it's a bigger world, whereas mm -hmm. that was probably three days of the, of the entire shoot, and the rest of the film was in that apartment. Well, you mentioned a little bit about the creature design, and it is, again, one thing to see it at home, but when you see it up on the big screen like that, it becomes more menacing, And but there's some elements and shots in there where it looks like the creature is literally like conducting all of the chaos throughout. And it's behind all the monitors and oh everything. Oh my God, yeah. and there are some of those just breathtaking shots. And you talk about Richard Stanley, you've had the opportunity to sit down and meet with him. I'm curious, and I'm not joking, is he truly, is he a warlock? Because that man just is so mysterious and so effervescent, like he's like one of those Julian Sands. Because um, Julian Sands is really a warlock, I am yes. convinced. He's 100% true. Well, the, if you uh, remember, there's the, um, the nomad character in, in Hardware. That's, fuck, that's not really Richard Stanley, but that's Richard Stanley. That's him. Um, that character actually plays, uh, he's a recurring character in a bunch of Richard Stanley's other um, music videos. So it was just kind of like, it was kind of his silent Bob, I guess you could say. Like, there's one of the characters that kind of, you know, like permeates through all of his movies. Um, but if you ever meet Richard Stanley or if you ever saw pictures of him, 
you know, he has the, the, the hat. He looks like the dust devil, but he looks like that nomad dude. And he is as, as elegantly warlockian as you could expect. Good. I just, because every, every time I see him, he just has that menace of, not, I shouldn't say menace, but just otherworldliness and yeah. wisdom. I want to find the, him with the compass yeah, and like the, keep the, him in place with the nail in the sand. The few times that I've met or hung out with him, which was a trip, uh, he's on another wavelength okay. whatsoever, like completely. <laughs> but that's, that's part of his brilliance is yeah. that you can see him seeing the world differently than everybody else. And whether that's life experience, world experience, I had one of the weirdest, trippiest moments that I've had. Because, you know, when you grew up watching hardware and you were a fan of it, you were a fan of this dude and wanted to see whatever he fucking did next. So Dust Devil, you couldn't find it anywhere. It was only at a blockbuster, like, randomly somewhere. You couldn't find it. But when Island of Dr. Moreau got announced, I was fucking psyched, you know? Like, it sounded great. And then he got fired. And then... Years later, so I'm at Fantastic Fest in Austin, and it's the world premiere of Lost Souls. And this is the first time that anyone had ever seen the documentary. They didn't know how it was going to go down, and Richard, Richard Stanley showed up. Oh. And, and it's kind of like, wow, that's ballsy, dude. Like, your whole, your, <laughs> your whole life and what's considered a failure is on the big screen for you to, to kind of live through again. Right. And the lights go down, and uh, I'm watching the movie, and guess who sits right next to me? Richard Stanley. So I'm kind of like feeling his energy as he's watching the movie, and I'm sitting there going, like, if, that, if I was him, I would be fucking dying inside. And I look over, and he's just smiling away, you know. He was, I think there was something very cathartic about him going through that experience, and then that ultimately led to Colorado Space. And again, you look at that movie, and you can... You feel very much like when you watch hardware that you're in the hands of, of someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. Mm -hmm. And you kind of need that with a movie like this where tone, atmosphere, stakes, scope, you would hope that the director would sleep in the, on set every day, which is exactly what he did. You know? When I came out of color out of space, the first words out of my mind was, welcome back, Richard Stanley. Because, again washing the colors in such an insane world building. And it definitely, watching hardware, watching uh, Dust Devil, and then Color Out of Space, you, like you said earlier, you can definitely tell that's a Richard Stanley. It's just stamped right on there. Even when, like, you can look at Moreau, too, and, and um, a lot of the creature designs, mm -hmm. you know, they very much feel like somebody like Richard was sketching away at them, you know? There's always, no matter what, like, you're, like a filmmaker is going to be able to put their stamp on whether it's the choices of costume design or makeup or whatever or shots and directorial choices. Um, you guys have seen Lost Souls, right, the documentary? Um, if you haven't, it's on Shutter right now. Um, and, you know, the guy lived in a fucking tree for a little while. You know, like, that's an artist. That, like, <laughs> sorry. That's a true artist. Anybody who can sleep in a tree for more than 24 hours, like, I, I'm giving him a green light for his next movie. Um, but, you know, hardware is a really good, it's a very good time capsule moment in the genre because that movie was, you know, coming off of, it was shot in, the, in 1989, so we're still in the 80s in a way, and it was released a year later. But there was this kind of a, a, a shift in the genre in a way with hardware, with all the movies that came out in 1990 itself, where they were playing with genres, you know? Look at Tremors. Tremors is a Western. Tremors is a horror movie. Tremors is a comedy. And, you know, Darkman, superhero movie, horror movie, you right. know? 
it was it felt like there was this very small window of time where studios and you know um, independent financiers who were actually putting money towards these kind of budgets they were taking chances on filmmakers and films that were a little bolder you know that were um, you know not just your cookie cutter I believe other than Nightmare, I'm sorry, Texas Chainsaw 3, there was not an installment of a Freddy, Jason, or Leather, or um, Michael Myers movie that year. No. You know, Leatherface might have been the only one. And um, so, so you had all of these new voices coming out of the ether and taking the reins in a way. Now, again, like I was saying before, unfortunately, a lot of, like, for every misery that you'd have, which I saw in the theater 11 times, by the way. I thought I thought I'd throw that out there. And you really dirty quick, birdie. I, I love the reason. We talk about peripheral viewing on the show a lot of the times where you get locked and you're seeing someone react in a film. Tell the lovely folks why you saw that movie 11 times in the theater. Uh, again, this is ni- 1990 was such a big year for me because it was like one of the first years where I was like, I, I want to make shit. I want to make people react. I want to be, I want to make, you know, an entire crowd laugh or scream or cry. And I remember going to see opening night. I remember seeing Rob Reiner's Misery. And then you get to the hobbling scene. Mm. And in the book, it was more like um, Takashi Miike's audition. She's cutting fucking feet off and shit. You know, Rob Reiner is being, you know, a, he's meathead. He's meathead. not going to get that gory. <laughs> um, so he does the scene. And, and it's beautifully shot, but it's very matter of fact. And it really fucks with the audience. And I'll never forget being in the back of the theater and watching the entire crowd when that, when you know, and you know the shot, right? You know the shot that, yeah. bonk, when the ankle just goes in and everybody goes, oh, even in the trailer, people were just like, oh, God, and they didn't even show shit. And I remember feeling the entire crowd like move like there was an earthquake. And then in the preceding time, or every time that I would go see it, after that first initial time, I get closer and closer and closer to the screen because I wanted to sit in the front row and turn around and watch the crowd. You know that shot in the, in the remake of The Blob where everyone goes, ah, from the front row? I wanted to experience that. So I was this creepy little kid who would actually sit in the front row, like... Just waiting? <laughs> like... And it must have been incredibly annoying because people are trying to watch the movie and there's this little creepo in the front who's like looking at them going like, I can't wait to see your reaction. It was really, really creepy. But it was one of those pivotal films that, that showed me how you can make something scary, you make something funny. Rob, like A director like Rob Reiner who could do um, Princess Bride could take a, a, a relative risk. I mean, he had done stuff with Stephen King before, but not a straight horror movie, and not one that has funny moments, but it's, it's a it's fucking... Tense. That's a horror movie, yeah. you know? And, you know, even, like, Adrian Lyne, you know, who did Jacob's Ladder, had never really done a horror movie before, and there is some genuine nightmare visions in it. So having these filmmakers that year be able to take a chance a little bit, you know, and, and be able to do stuff that's out of their comfort zone a little bit. What we get are these films that, you know, again, might not have hit the zeitgeist upon impact, but you I saw all your reactions when the Nightbreed trailer hit. That movie was a fucking bomb. It like it was Hiroshima. That's how bad that fucking movie tanked at the box office. But for us horror fans, we when you would open Fango and you would see these 
gorgeous, like almost Rembrandt painting photos of each of the creature designs. There was so much care and love that was put into it. And you're going, Clive Barker was given a budget to make a world. Like he, yeah. Midian is a world in that in that movie. You know, mm -hmm. the original book Cabal is great, but that like Nightbreed was being set up as the Star Wars for monsters. I remember even reading that in Fango and going, Star Wars for monsters. <laughs> there you go. Take it all. Take, Take my it all. wallet. It's gone. And I'll never forget. I was telling this to a couple of people last night. Um, I traumatized so many young like young kids. That sounds really weird. About, uh, so many of my peers. Because I wanted, I would take people to go see Nightbreed, and every time, without fucking fail, whenever David Cronenberg would show up with that mask, oh. that's it. Like I, like one kid, um, uh, he was staying over our house for the weekend. He immediately called his mom to get picked up, <laughs> and then uh, I took a bunch of kids when I was in a. And this is a long story, but I'll save it for another day. When I was in a choral competition, uh, we were in Disney World for this competition, and we were off one night, and I'm like, hey, fellas, you want to go see a movie? And we, got, we saw Nightbreed, and I almost got <laughs> expelled. That's not a joke. I really wish that was a joke. But I, and I, the way I got out of it was explaining to my teacher the literary merits of Clive Barker. There you go. Uh, which he has many. Um, but it, like, Nightbreed was one of those films that was so bold in vision that the, film, like, the, the producers didn't know what they had. And how do you market this movie? So if you guys remember, the poster for Nightbreed, the original one, was just, I think it was Annie's eyes, the, the, the female uh, protagonist's eyes, and it said, like, she doesn't know what's coming for her. And you're like, what the, f where are the monsters, you know? Yeah. So it's, it was a great time, in a way, for filmmakers to take those chances. But if I guess the box office can attest, it might not have been the best time for genre marketing because again, like a lot of these movies didn't make a lot of money at the time, but they made an impact with all of us on video, on HBO, and in all the subsequent versions that, you know, the 19 versions of mm -hmm. Evil Dead that they have out, you know. You see which ones will withstand the test of time, because yes. that's the good thing about horror fans. It might take us a minute, but we love what the fuck we love, and we don't care what anybody else says. And like, like look at the thing, it bombed, but now, it's probably one of the best horror movies of all time. Yep. And like, and a lot of people can agree with that. And so... It's a weird... Like, the 90s was a weird time also because I don't know if you guys remember when um, in the 80s, box office weekends became kind of a sport. They were, people were putting bets on them. They were in... They made news. Like, how much did Batman make that weekend? That was news. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Yeah, exactly. Like, Entertainment Tonight would make like make yeah. it into news and like normal folks it would impact what movie they were seeing that weekend where before it was just like hey I want to go see a movie mm -hmm. the 90s you like like really reveled in that and um and and, and it changed it changed cinema and for good and for bad you know because uh, you know for every you know word of mouth movie that you get like silence of the lambs you know um there's going to be five or six movies that year that are going to bomb just because they're horror movies but the fans will find them. We will find the quality in those movies. And, you know, I, I just, it, it was, it always perturbed me because movies can live on beyond that opening weekend. Yet, filmmakers, actors, actresses, movies themselves, they're always only judged on that one fucking weekend. Right. And if you hit 
you could have a career. If you bomb, you could be in movie jail. It doesn't really, that shouldn't impact what people make or what people don't make. Exactly, it's horse shit. It's not about like, and, and I would imagine from you, from a filmmaker, it's about putting something that you want to put out, not necessarily, I mean, yeah, it would be nice to make a lot of money for everybody, but at the same sure. time, right? <laughs> but at the same time, it's about like your craft, you know? And, and that's what I don't understand, like we were talking about that. You see a lot of nowadays, 10 top reasons why this failed or like this bombed. And it's like brand new movies, like the movie's not even out yet. Like, Cats, Top for ten example. reason the new James right. Bond movie failed. It's not out not yet. Out it yet. failed. Right, failed. right. And like, there's too much negativity in the world already, so we don't need to put that on stuff that's not even like proven its metal yet. And that's what I don't. That's why I like, especially when we come back to revisit movies like this. And in fact, like something somebody like Richard Stanley's still around and can see yeah. that we now appreciate it. We now get it. You know, it's like again, it took us a minute. But now we're right there with you. So Well, the fact that ultimately we're looking at films, we do this whole thing called Into the Mouth of March Madness where we, <laughs> I know it's bad, yeah, it's, but we look at films from the past 40 years, each decade, and, you know, the ones that have survived, you know, so it's, so it's really nice, like last night with Adam and the 10-year, you know, anniversary of Frozen, 10 years now, and that film played like gangbusters. My heart was racing the whole time, and I've seen that dozens of times, but it's still like... Oh, no, not the wolves, you know, so. Try to sit next to the filmmaker, and he's going, oh, God, wolves are coming. I'm like, you were on set. You know what's happening. He's like, oh, God, what's happening now? I'm like, she's going to be fine. But then even going back, like, to 1980s, the 1990, which technically is 30 years ago, which definitely makes no, it's not. old. No, it's old? not. 30 years ago is 1970. Get it right. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But you talk about it, we were basically saying goodbye to the 80s, but so many of those films still had some of the aesthetics from the 80s. But like you said, they were really transitioning. I think we're kind of almost like transitioning into a, not elevated horror, I hate that term, but more adult fare, where sometimes you would, I think because of Jacob's Ladder and Exorcist 3, we got the Silence of the Lambs. Yep. And that's the one that won the Academy Awards, but of course that's the one people, that's not horror. That's a thriller. It's like, uh, here we go. Yeah, we go come again. On now. It's ridiculous. So, uh, transition the, to the 1990s. I definitely want to make sure um, we talk about some of your favorite films from the 90s, uh, especially 1990. Well, you just mentioned the one Which, that, like, well, it's fucking Exorcist 3. Oh, oh. Like, I, I saw, again, there's another movie I saw in the theater. My, um, my mom took the boys to go see Ghost. That was, I'm glad they had a great, grand old time with that. Hey, you know what? To be fair, Ghost is a horror movie too. That ending is the pretty ending fucking dark. When the, when the, when the when demons they, come and they, they take Tony up the Goldwyn guy from away? Leviathan? That's some yeah, scary that's fucking some scary shit. shit. Exactly. But, um, you know, again, uh, Exorcist 3 was another product of both giving the filmmaker, and the, in this case, it's William Peter Blatty, who had only made one film before that, the uh, Ninth Configuration, which if you haven't seen, you've you got to fix that immediately. Um, <laughs> But, you know, he wasn't William Friedkin, um, so they were working off of the IP itself, which was Exorcist 3, which was based on a novel called Legion, which was not Exorcist 3, but they made it. Mm -hmm. um, and the, I, I'll never, I will, oh God, all right, so. Set the stage. Uh, it's Quorum Multiplex, Sunday night. It is packed in this theater. So I'm walking out of this movie, Totally Freaked, thinking, oh, I'm going to, check Newsday the next day, and this is going to be a number one film. Fuck you, ghost. F suck it, Swayze. Um, George C. Scott is back. Uh, not so much. Um, but uh, I, I remember now, my method for uh, sneaking into movies was I, I always paid 
but I would always pay for something else so that I could go into that. So my mom got ghost, but my the, the, the way that the usher would kind of leave me alone would, I would bring my dad's jacket or his like flannel and I put it next to the, the an open seat. So if the usher would be like, excuse me, sir, do you have like, a, do you have, where's your ticket? I'm like, oh, my dad's got it. He's uh, got, getting, getting popcorn. Okay. You're uh, fucking brilliant. It <laughs> works. You're devious and brilliant. It works. But I was all alone. And this was The Exorcist 3, as we know. Um, and, and now the audience wasn't really into it, you can tell, because they were sitting there going, where's the pea soup and the spinning heads and the crucifixes and vaginas? Wait, swap that. Reverse it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I was alone, and then the infamous shot that we all know, the, oh, you know, the long oh, take that all oh, of you were going, oh, I know oh. that shot. No one saw that coming. So I'm there, I'm alone, and I, I swear to God this happened. So the zoom, the zoom happens, the big moment, the big scare happens, the entire audience goes, Wah! I feel a pair of hands clasp down on my shoulder from behind, and I'm like, oh, God! probably scared more people over my <laughs> shitty reaction. And I turn around and there's an old lady sitting behind me. And she's all alone too. And I just go, lady, what? And she's like, I'm so sorry, I had no one to grab onto. <laughs> and then she came around and sat with me the rest of the movie. So we got to experience that movie together. It was amazing. Uh, and she didn't die that night, thank I was gonna God. Say, did you guys go have pie afterwards? I we should have. We, yeah. we should have oh had God. pie. It could have turned into Harold and Maude. Um, <laughs> but the fact that we all had that shared experience together, I swear to God, I thought Exorcist 3 was going to be like the biggest movie of that summer because it came out like at the end of the summer. I think it was the same year as Jaws. Was Jaws the Revenge that year too? Don't you mean Jaws? The, the Revenge. revenge. There we go. Thank you, thank you. But With I do Michael remember it came, I think it came out the same weekend as Repossessed. If you guys <gasps> remember Repossessed. Father, um, may I? <laughs> but no, you may not. I, I swear I thought that movie was going to do well. And again, that is another film that it has like three special editions now. Like, there's a good chunk of movies that came out in 1990 that don't have any special editions. So that again is a testament to sometimes you can't worry about the, the box office that weekend to affect you going to see a movie. People, you know, green lighting films. Like, I wish that William Peter Blatty made another movie because if you look at The Exorcist Three. It's fucking brilliant. It's so well crafted. Like. As curmudgeon-y as George C. Scott yeah. is, the scene when he's racing home to try to save his family yeah. and the old ladies in the cab and everything is a master class of deception and misdirecting the audience. Watch it again. Seriously, watch it again. And between that and Silence of the Lambs using that scene where it's like the SWAT team is going into Buffalo Bill's house and then they put, you know, he's pressing the buzzer and then he opens the door and it's actually, you know, it's Clarice and they're in another place. Those two moments are so well crafted in terms of just like keeping the audience completely off guard and not knowing where, like what's gonna happen next. Mm -hmm. And that is so essential for horror movies. Yeah. Um, the prestige. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, again, Gremlins 2, the new batch came out in 1990. I um, love that movie so fucking much. Like, that's one, to me, that is one of the movies that is, the sequel is significantly better than the first one. Whoa, whoa. Hot take, hot take. Whoa. I'm telling you. Show your work, genius. Show okay. your work, show I'll, your work. I'll show my work. It's significantly funnier. The gremlins definitely have more character. And when the bat gremlin shoots out the window and makes the bad signal, 
I was also 100% on board. Also, I don't think the original Gremlins actually has Slayer's Angel of Death. That's true. Which I don't know if that necessarily, you know, trumps anything, but possibly. Rambo Gizmo? You know, it's great. It's a different, I love that movie, but it's a different tone of movie. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if anything, they realize, like, we can sell a lot of toys if we don't kill old ladies. Well, so, yeah, well, the Putterman curse finally so I think make... I think we'll be okay if we just make them as goofy as possible. Um, I don't know if you guys, um, you know, Robert Picardo, who's in all of Joe oh, Dante's yeah, movies. Yes. There was a thing going back and forth over Christmas how he was talking about, like, someone had asked him, like, what happened to his security guard camera, uh, like, uh, guard character after at the end of uh, 1990? And he, I think he tweeted out, like, a picture of him with her picture on it, like sleeping like the next day, like, oh, they totally hooked up. <laughs> like, and if anything, they're in a torted affair that's been going on for 30 years now. That's know? where Baby Yoda comes from. Uh, oh my, ugh, ooh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, a couple other significant movies that, uh, that I had to mention. Um, Catherine Bigelow directed uh, Blue Steel, if you guys remember Blue Steel. Uh, Jamie great, Lee Curtis. Great, Jamie Lee yep. Curtis, fucking Clancy Brown. Um, uh, the Cook, the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Uh, I know some people would not consider that a, a horror movie. It's a fucking horror movie. It's cannibalism in it, you know. Um, but again, that is another film that is a director's... He's making a horror movie, but you'd never know it. Sure. You know, Greenway, if you don't know Peter Greenway's work, he's, he's brilliant in subverting style and substance and using things like extreme sexuality and extreme violence um, and doing it in a way that is beautiful, but you're also grossed out like and Helen Mirren is hot in that movie Helen Mirren he Helen Mirren hot. is hot yeah, now yeah. she's hot now don't so. want to get creeps of nostalgia here but too late too um, late Tales from the Dark Side uh, the uh, the anthology that um, uh, Laurel and George Romero the feline and the William oh my what was that God. that was uh, William, William Hickey. Hickey William Hickey oh my God and Buster Poindexter that movie's hot 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 oh. so like oh boy yeah. yeah if you haven't seen you that have, you one you have kids right no because that was a dad joke yeah. Yeah. if you haven't seen it it's kind of unofficially Creepshow 3 it's well worth your time Highly, Funny enough, uh, Creepshow 3's own A.J. Bowen is not here anymore. Oh, God damn it. Because oh. you know what? Creepshow 3 sucks. Wow, that was a He'll tell bullet you that dodged. Um, another, and again, talking about kind of um, spinning the web of genre a bit, uh, arachnophobia. Frank Marshall's arachnophobia. Okay. I just love peripherally so, just seeing both of you two just okay. go. So oh, talk about peripheral. So, yeah, talk oh. about peripheral. So um, we host at the sister theater, Tapcade. Uh, we host a triple feature at Christmas time okay. and Halloween. Uh, Hall and Halloween. Well, this Halloween, our theme was killer noun. So we showed a killer car movie, a killer kid movie, and a killer animal movie. Well, hold on. Now, you might appreciate we opened with maximum fucking overdrive. Well played, and, sir. And let me tell you something. The moment, and you guys were there, for those of you that were, the shared Wait, experience when... But she says, you, you make, make love, love like, like a hero. Everybody's like, yeah! And, and then I got the, eggs on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me a widow, Curtis. And then, like, when when she goes, it's like all the cars went into maximum, maximum overdrive. overdrive. I was like, yes. Oh. And anyway. so then, then we start. Then the next one we showed was cooties. And then oh, after that, we showed arachnophobia. Now, arachnophobia got the biggest scares and jumps the it's entire legit. night. It's legit scary. Like, and there was parts where, like, we were show we would... We well, had, even before we showed it, we had, we had walkouts. 
Yeah. Before we even I thought you were going to say like you were throwing spiders at the crowd. See, I wanted to. I wanted to, but Greg's like, no, no, no. We don't want to give everybody You got to do that next year. Exactly, dude. I'm telling you, 4D is the way to go, man. We're going to show... We're going to show all sorts of shit. We're going to show Sybil Danning movie. No. Um, <laughs> Next up, Deep Throat. Yeah, you're right. And then, and, then, and then end it with Roar. Oh, and then have people oh, get their fucking faces scalped with off. Melanie Griffith in attendance. Yes. Yeah. Nice. No, but like we were like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, arachnophobia. And there was two people in the audience who were like, oh. nope. Oh, nope. really? And they they just got up and walked. See, that's, a, that's another movie that I feel, maybe I'm wrong, but um, I feel like that one's got lost a little. You know, John Goodman's amazing in that movie. Everybody is amazing in that Julian movie. Julian Sands is amazing. Julian Sands is the warlock. Jeff Daniels. Yeah, and and it's like you said, it's a legit scary movie. Yeah. PG thirteen movie was the scariest movie that we showed the entire night. That opened uh, in the summer of of ninety, and yep. I remember it like people flocked to it because it. It was a very effectively made movie. But the weird thing about it is, and I remember this vividly, with Tremors and Arachnophobia that year, they they sold it as a comedy. Yes. And yeah. so, and and I think that's the thing that especially see, you can see that from that trailer. You know, like that yeah. that trailer was made to be funny. It, it, there's some scary stuff in it, but then you watch Tremors, and Tremors is a mm-hmm. Tremors is a scary movie. Yeah, even though that you don't get any penetration with the elephant gun, it's still pretty. Not the first time you said that today either, actually. No. Wow. <laughs> no, no, it's still a legit movie, but I remember like they're like, uh, it was on Channel 62, getting super regional. They had a contest where win tickets to Tremors, and it was shown during the kids' programming. <laughs> and said, like, parents, if you want to, or kids, if you want to go see the movie Tremors, dial now and win two tickets. And I was like, woo, right? I didn't win, but like they marketed towards kids, yeah. and it's not a kids' movie. I mean, it's PG-13, but, like, there's some horrific shit. And same thing with arachnophobia. John Goodman, even though he's in it, like, for 10 minutes out of the entire movie, oh, no, he's at the end and he kills a lot of spiders. But they're like, it's John Goodman, and he's like, I rock and roll, dude. And so, like, it was an it's interesting... It's King Ralph! Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's Dan Connor. So, like, it was a weird time, and I, it's like, those are two... Like, but again, that, that goes back to what we were saying before about how the filmmakers knew the tools. They knew, like, you can tell watching it again. I just recently watched Arachnophobia, and watching it again, you can tell that, like, Frank Marshall knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're working with people like, you know, Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy, you kind of, and George Lucas, right. you start to, I, well, let me throw Lucas in there. Um, <laughs> you, you, you can see how he's absorbed these other filmmakers and what they've done right and wrong. And, and it's a very effective movie especially if you hate spiders yes but yes you're right like the the filmmaking was on one level but the marketing they were just like cut to the fat guy you know yeah so i hate to say it but it's like every marketing thing is john goodman with the you know and that's that's not the movie there's so much more to it i forgot that jeff daniels was in that movie you know um Wait, so you play, and, and it played well? It played oh. like gangbusters. Oh, it was... It was the I, highlight of the night. You could hear people squealing, squirming. It was it was beautiful. I had left the theater several times because I was afraid my smile was so bright it would like freak people out. It Damn. was just so nice. And then he had to stop me from fucking with people. I did, I, I did. Like, well, I, I wanted, like to, I wanted to protect our friend Adam out there. And speaking of, actually, he threw in a suggestion here, uh, another one from 1990, and this is actually one that you would see only on TV but uh, genius, do they float down there? We all float down here. I thoroughly enjoy it. That's the Tommy Lee Wallace one. Yes. Right? yes. That was now. Does that count? Because it's a miniseries. Ah. ABC. I don't know. I don't know. He's the co-founder here, so I'm going to say you know we'll what? allow it. 
since Adam was so nice to us this weekend, I, it counts as cinema. Ah, Joe there it is. There it is. I, I'll, I'll take it as counting as cinema. Uh, do you guys remember a mo- little movie called I Come in Peace? You, you go, go in pieces. pieces. I fucking love these guys. So, okay, ironic. You want to hear something again with a triple feature? So we showed a triple feature, <laughs> and it was I Come in Peace. Okay. So, uh, what was the? Which? Why didn't they make a porno version of that? I Come in Pieces. Yeah. <laughs> it, shit writes itself. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> I Come in Peace. Everly, and, um, oh, God, what was the Killer Santa movie? Oh, I Rare you meant, Exports. Oh, see, I thought you were just saying, oh, God. Like, the, like oh, George God, Burns the George movie. Burns movie? No, that was oh, God, the you perfect third movie like, in that yeah. triple feature. Yeah, Rare Exports is yeah. great. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I Come in Peace, the movie that made you afraid of CDs for about <laughs> six months. Matthias is a fucking monster. The main guy, there was this, there's a scene where the... He falls you off the building. the Malfoy-looking dude? Yeah, yeah. The, the main big... The Draco Malfoy. That's funny. <laughs> it's mud blood. No, but... Uh, <laughs> no, so he falls off a building into an exploding car, and then he just comes out, just sprinting out, the, out of the fire. He is a goddamn monster. Like, he is terrifying. I would rather fuck with the Terminator... Than Matthias. That and I will say the guy that directed it, Craig R. Baxley. Yes. You've not Craig seen R. him. Baxley. He is the silver cold of mm-hmm. silver. Oh, Stone, <laughs> Stone cold. cold. Action Jackson, yep. which yes. I still think we lost by not giving Carl Weathers his own action franchise with that. Have you watched Jackson. Action Jackson recently? I have. Yes. How it do you like your, your ribs? ribs? Hot. Hotter. That's one of the worst one liners of all time. Because it, oh. it's out of nowhere. Do you know how that movie was made? Uh, carefully. No. Cocaine. The, yes. Lots of uh, cocaine. No, Carl Weathers was on the set. Supposedly, Carl Weathers was on the set of Predator and kept going up to um, Joel Silver and saying, I need, a, I need an action franchise. And they just came up with Action Jackson right out of there. Because and, of and, But it was, a, it was a movie made for Carl Weathers to have 80s one-liners. That was, that was the movie. Mm-hmm. That was it. Um, and if you ever look at that movie again, half of the cast and crew was from Die Hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. half of the terrorists are in Action Jackson playing cops. The Joel Silver players, and, basically. And Craig T. Nelson doing old white guy kung fu. Oh, John Saxon would have been so jealous, sincerely. Yeah. Now, another one, and this is a kind of a deep pull, but I know both of you dig this, and it's a film that features a character actor by the name of Jeff Cover, and it's the satanic panic back in the day in the 80s was real, you guys. Like, legitimately, in Stillwell, Kansas, there's an area called Baines Crossing, and back in the day, they always said they found animal bones and stuff in the shapes of pentagrams and all that stuff. Satan was real. And in 1990, we got the first power. Lou Diamond Phillips. That LDP. movie is so good. Wow. Okay. See, you got, that again, movie is so good. Now, I question, though, it's been a minute since I've seen it. It's, I haven't seen it since the theater. Me neither. Okay. Me okay. neither. So both of you guys were theatrical on yes. that? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wait. Indian Springs? Of course, Indian Springs. And I remember vividly watching the first power coming out of it because... At a young age, seeing in the theater, that was one of my first uh, movies where, spoilers, spoilers, the bad guy wins. Yeah. And I remember walking out going, holy shit, evil can win? This changes my whole entire perspective on La movies. Bamba got schooled. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, one, one more that I wanted to definitely bring up. Um, and it, it's funny, too, because it was a movie that when I saw in the theaters, I loved it because it felt like it was both paying homage to the, well, one of the godfathers of, of genre cinema, but it took it to another level, both story-wise and also effects, 
and that was uh, Tom Savini's remake of Night of the Living Dead. Absolutely. Um, which, uh, there's a new documentary on Shudder uh, yes. about Tom's work, and you know, again, I grew up with Scream Greats Volume 1, like Tom Savini was a fucking god. And, uh, and I'm working on something now that kind of works within that world a little bit, uh, which is really exciting. But uh, having to do a lot of research on Tom Savini has been amazing. But, and I had heard things about this a little bit, kind of in the same vein of Richard Stanley with hardware and Dust Devil and, and everything else, it seems, um, that he had a lot of problems on set, uh, meaning like uh, he didn't have a lot of control creatively. Uh, George was not on the set. He was going through a divorce at the time. So whenever you talk to Tom about Night of the Living Dead, it kind of gives him like PTSD. Um, but watching it again recently, um, it's really, really well made. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially, if you watch it closely, it's only remaking the first like hour of, it's, it's in the first hour of the movie, it's remaking Night of the Living Dead. And then it kind of goes off on its own. And I thought that that was such a smart progression of what we were looking for. And Tony Todd, in that movie is amazing. You know, this is Tony, uh, Tony Todd before he was Candyman. Um, there's a lot of people in the movie, um, but it, it's Bill Mosley plays the They're coming to get you, Barbara, yes. mm -hmm. dog dick. Um, uh, but it, it really, and the effects that um, uh, Optic Nerve did, it was the first time that they had ever used uh, a computer to create zombie effects. Uh, they had a good old fashioned Commodore, no, it was like an, an Amiga. Remember the Amiga? Oh yeah. Um, but they would, I, I, it probably did it like in weird science where they're like cutting people's faces out and putting in the disk drive and shit. Shall um, we on the eat head. some brains? Yes. Um, <laughs> but to watching that and looking that and seeing that in Fangoria going like, oh my God, they're using computers to create like the looks for zombies. Like it was the dawn of a new day. It was the next know? level. Was I didn't mean to use dawn and day in that context. <laughs> But when we get into the, um, like, kind of rounding out the end of the year, um, this is when hardware came out. Uh, we talked about, um, um, what is it, uh, Jacob's Ladder. But a movie that I will never forget feeling as horrific a horror movie coming from a director that is known to subvert genres like that um, is Wild at Heart. Um, and uh, David Lynch's Wild at Heart, uh, which... Another movie that got savaged by the MPAA. Man, they were on a tear in like the late 80s, early 90s. They just didn't give a fuck. They were just like, snip, snip, snip. But um, Wild at Heart is a gorgeous movie. It's a ve an incredibly romantic movie. But there are scenes in that, the, the scene with Sherilyn Fenn when, when they you know, find her at the, you know, uh, off the side of the road, or any scene with... Um, uh, William Defoe. William Defoe. Oh my God! Oh my God! They're yeah. they're more terrifying than like Graveyard Shift, which also came out that year. Which that movie sucks. Fucking killer rats. Fuck um, that. Yeah, it, it, it would go well with arachnophobia, but mm -hmm. it wasn't very scary. But I remember seeing that movie in the theater and thinking, there there are scenes in this that would be a if you cut it out, they would be a horror movie. Um, and, and again, that's just the power of David Lynch being able to get away with mixing up genres, and, and that that's a, that movie is a prime example of it. And also the the snakes and snakeskin jacket, believe in personal freedom. The fact that Nick Cage does like kung fu mosh pit dancing in that film—that's proto Cage. It is right. so freaking good. Now we do need to go ahead and wrap things up. Now with the live shows, we like to do something here, and it's. Listen, we know this thing wasn't funny 20 years ago when people were doing it. You mean this podcast? Oh, snap! Oh. 
Drop the mic, my friend. And we know it's not funny now, like this podcast, but it has become a tradition, live shows, FMK, Fornicate, Mary Kill. In this case, we're going to do the hardware edition. So my friends on the buffet table, to choose we have uh, the Mark 13 from Hardware. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have the Killbots from Chopping Mall. Okay. And we have Johnny Five. Oh, no. Wait, Johnny Five Short Short Circuit circuit. or Short Circuit 2? I okay, will, Johnny Five's out. Then he, he's a wuss in that two, movie. Yeah, in two, in two, Los Locos he's, he's, took care of no, him. No, right? yeah, in two is Los Locos kick your ass. Los Locos kick your face. Los, Los Locos, Locos kick, kick your balls into outer space. Wow, that was wow. One of these two men are I need single. A drink now one is married. See which one it is. No, so I lay it out there, genius. Johnny Five, Mark you're, 13, Killbots. You're kind of throwing this out because I wasn't ready for an FMK. I'll be honest with you. You so, did it to me the last time, my friend. Yes, that is. sir. So, um, okay. So I'm going to come out and say it. I'm going to have to kill the Killbots from, uh, from Chopping Mall because they're just going to try and shoot me with lasers. All they have is those pinchers, so that can't be fun. Um, now, while they might be like, thank you, have a nice day at the end of the day, that'd still be a lot of fun. But I need a little bit more with my uh, pizzazz. I'm going to marry Johnny Five, because one, he is in Los Locos. Um, two, <laughs> <laughs> he has the ability to learn, and like he can crack as many bad jokes as me. And so like, I think we would, that, that, I think that's the, the loving relationship, kind of having the same sense of humor. That's going to last. And if I just get tired of his shit, just power them down. No disassemble, G. No disassemble, which means I'm going to get freaky as fucking shit with hardware because think about it. In that scene, did that like drill, did that not look funky donkey? That was a dick. Yes, was- it was. It was a big spinning dick. <laughs> no, Had the big even Richard head. Stanley will say like, oh, it was a dick. That was a dick. <laughs> a warlock dick. But, no. no, you know, that that was also something that got cut out of the um, the original theatrical cut there's the shot where uh, Stacy Travis is on the ground and the Mark 13's coming towards her, and you you very clearly yeah. see the phallic symbol coming towards her neither regions. A lot of that was cut out because they they were like, no, no robot rape. That's not good for us. That doesn't work for us. No disassemble. <laughs> but no. But can you think about it? Like one, he's got that robot dick, and then he's got like six arms, and they can all do different things and attachments and the needles for like enhancements. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's the Possibilities are endless when it comes to like the heart having sex with the heart. Sex bot, sex bot. It'd be great. I'll just sit there like, well, he can't get no because he can't get wet. Well, I'm glad that took a second to bid in. Uh, and you notice how he was like, I have no idea. And all of a sudden, this my man is just so intense and involved right now. Well, He's like, I, you are something away from putting a diagram up right? on the goddamn thing. Who, who is Pepe Silva? Who's who's the robot diddler now? No, but I was just sitting there like. They're in the middle of hardware in the like, Lemmy's boat, like, don't dream it. You know, just having a ball. So, Joe. <laughs> How which, do I go after which, that? Which robot are you going to diddle? Well, all right, I'll mix it up a little bit. I will kill the Mark 13 because he's an asshole. Fair he's out. Uh, the, um, what is it, the Killbots from uh, Shopping, mall? Shopping Mall? Yeah, I'm going to marry them because those lasers can heat food up really quick. That's from a practical standpoint. I'm going pre-microwave era, you know. Uh-huh. And you look, I I need my hot dogs like like that. So <laughs> they're just gonna zap into that shit. Uh, and I'm gonna fuck the shit out of Johnny Five. Like, really? He needs a he, he he like 
his, um, his gas tank needs a cornholing in the worst way. Like, <laughs> Los locos lick your ass. <laughs> and you know what? He should, he should be raped for, for short circuit too. Oh my that, that goodness. That movie is a little bit problematic. I'm just going to drop the mic now. Have you guys seen Short Circuit 2? I need a hero. It's a terrible movie. Like, Michael McKeon, like, he doesn't talk, like, specifically doesn't talk about that movie. I don't think he remembers being in that movie. Short Circuit 1 is charming. Is charming, yes. Like, it's, oh my God, the, the, the robot said shit, you know? Which is crazy that that's from the director of, um, uh, it was John Badham, right? Yeah. It was, uh, uh, what is it, Saturday Night Fever? Because when I want to see a talking robot movie, I think I'm of the director of Saturday Night, Night Fever. It but it also so does have brown face, though. That is a little part problematic. Two? No, part one. Yeah. Well, actually, and oh, part yeah. two. I and part two. Yeah, so. yeah. So, but, but, but wait. Oh. Can, I also, can I also fuck Steve Gutenberg? Yeah. Okay, good. All we'll right. allow that. If, we'll that's, allow if that. it's a package deal, I'm going to totally pack oh. the goot. Trust so. me. Yeah, he has yeah. one in the other. Use my glutes on the goots. Some Gutenberg. <laughs> and I, you gotta watch out for the stone cutters though because they make him a star Jesus Christ what about you I, I can't even follow that because he throws out a Simpsons reference like that I can't even begin to the, I just wanted to see him squirm but turned out he was just ready to go out I love there. how like he was really getting into the whole fucking the Mark 13 until the water thing came up I know and you <laughs> saw you actually saw him malfunction like this <laughs> Like it's just like, like <laughs> sparks are coming out. A little, a little tick, coil tick, comes tick, out. Tick, 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 tick. It's a little less known thing. If you want to like disrupt Genius McGee, that's all you have to do is get him a little moist. So yeah, <laughs> indeed. So and, and then or get because uh, I'm lactose intolerant. Would I be lack? What was it? Uh, oh, the it lact lactof lactoplasma. Everyone else is throwing Lact out dad jokes <laughs> now. No, the lactoplasma. Yeah. Lactoplasm. Yeah, lactoplasm. No, also called Sith milk. That's, I, you know what? I would drink the shit out of synth milk. That's awesome. It, like, it's also part of the death wave uh, yeah. mo movement. Oh, it's a part, part of mumble gore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you get synth milk. You, get, oh, you guys are going to both end up with little synth milk mustaches here. It's going to look good. So <laughs> thank you, Joe, for taking the time to talk with My us, pleasure. demeaning yourself Seriously, with us Joe, here. This thank you so much for la letting us show this movie oh, tonight. This is... like, and, and to be able to go down memory lane a little bit, too, I highly recommend all the movies in 1990. Yes. Look, the rest of the 90s, not bad. You know, yeah. Silence of the Lambs, Candyman, Scream, and Blair Witch. Can you name any others? Cemetery Man. Audition. There we go. There All we right. go. See, Wait, what did you say? Delamate, Delamore. Oh, so, but for like, it's a handful. Yeah. You know, right? The, the horror is alive in the '90s. It's just where you find it. Yes. Okay. And it is out there. But ultimately, if you are going to find some stuff, make sure you're checking out the movie crypt. Uh, make sure you're checking you. out. Just again, as a proud Patreon, I'm happy to help support you because I know what you do. You inspire many out there. Thank you for that. Sincerely, sincerely. And, as a, and as a movie fan. You made some fucking bomb-ass shit. Thank you, dude. And I thank want to you. thank you for those. Yay! So, again, guys, Panic Fest, Joe Lynch. Thanks, give it everybody. Up. So, until next time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius Mickey. And we will see you in your dreams. Panic Fest!
All right, well, we are back with our first official Panic Fest dispatch here at the Panic Film Festival in Kansas City, Missouri. Dude, this place is fun in a bun, man. It's our first one, and I'm over having a fucking ball. And to give you a little peek behind the curtain, we are indeed here at the Vendor Loft. And Vendor at, Loft of Doom. And at this point, we've gone through a day and a half of Panic Fest, and <laughs> we'll get to where it's going. But oh, yeah. the whole purpose of this is to talk with the, the filmmakers, the guests, the people that are here that make Panic Fest what it is. And I'm actually really upset with myself because it has been far too long for this next individual. The fact that we have such, (laughs) oh, such a talented local (laughs) filmmaker and also such a next level nerd like us. Oh, my God. We're just spouting off all kinds of movies. (laughs) I, you know, uh, yeah, don't get me started on on Star Wars. We'll transition to that there. But you might know our next guest work from uh, the 2013 film Nailbiter, which I know Genius, you are a huge fan of. He has produced some award winning shorts and you've actually probably seen some of his work in places you would not imagine uh, from Lawrence, Kansas, local filmmaker Patrick Ray. Hello, hello. Thank you so much, man, for yeah, making the time. Me. Dude, it's going to get you back on the show, man. Like I yeah. was telling you off, like, I, I dig your stuff, man. I like your shorts, too, man. You got some real, you I appreciate tales. That. Yeah, they're they're very much, uh, they're kind of like Twilight zone some of them. Um, though I've done some dram- dramatic shorts recently, but um, the two short films that I've just completed are kind of back to my old... Nice twisted ways. So well, it's good to see you kind of developing and going beyond the genre. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I kind of, I kind of have to to grow as a filmmaker. Sure. And at some point, I have to make something that my kids can watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though I like, you know, uh, my daughter Violet has. Uh, I took her to the Nightmares Film Festival in Columbus, Ohio, uh, in October, and uh, she got to see some some pretty interesting horror movies. They're playing here this weekend. So, really? in fact, the directors taped like her reactions afterwards and so um that's pretty right so i'm raising a horror lover that's good you're doing good work yes, my friend thank you very much can you, can, you name, can you name the movie uh puppet killer was one of them oh that's I, that's on my and, list and, that's I, on and my I watched list. it with her and afterwards she went up to the director and said i want to be in puppet killer too <laughs> so um they taped it and then you know and then she saw scare package and aaron coons that's on my list too. uh filmed it, her reaction so um my daughter's gonna end up getting quotes on on at some point probably um she wants her own youtube channel where she reviews movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that oh but I, i'm a little terrified about that so well there, it's this so is my weird. dad's movie and i'm really <laughs> pissed at him right now so it's garbage exactly exactly <laughs> Exactly. She'll throw me under the bus. Well, she actually got in trouble um, a few months ago at school, um, and she threw me under the bus. She goes, well, Dad watches horror movies at home. They're like, where did you learn to say these things? And she goes, well, Dad makes me watch horror movies. And so, Oh, 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 she adds the makes. Yeah, no, no. And the funny thing was they sent a form home with me, or with her, and I read the form, and that is exactly what it said. It said... Her father wa- makes her watch horror movies. So they had a form that admonished you yes. for right. watching yes. horror films. Yes. I can just picture like at the playground, come here, dog wheel. Hunt! Well, and, and, like but I felt I felt okay with it because they've had me come in and speak for career day. So I think that, I think it's okay. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, that's so. It's Granted, so... I couldn't show any of my horror movie stuff at, at career day. I had to show like. The softer side. The softer right. side, exactly. So. And then it turns into summer school when they're doing the dissertation yeah, of, exactly. of Texas Just Chainsaw. Like... <laughs> well, speaking of YouTube, uh, tell our <laughs> listeners, where can they find you out on a social media? Please plug and promote away. Hey, I just joined Instagram, ah, which the... is, I mean, like after all the peer pressure, I finally joined. Um, so it's, I think, Patrick M. Ray, R-E-A, um, on Instagram, and then Patrick M. Ray on Facebook. 
Um, and um, some of my films are on Vimeo. Some of them are a lot of the new ones are password protected just because they're still in film festivals. That's fair. Um, and, uh, and a couple of them, I had a short film called Rattle that was on the film festival circuit, like just a two minute short film that I filmed with my <laughs> then not even a year old daughter. Oh my! And um, it played at. Um, I mean, it played it. I think uh, it, it might have played at Slaughter Movie House here. And which one? So. I believe so. Actually, yeah, I think it so. was the one where the parents are trying to figure out why the little baby's crying, and then there's the, the all the the monsters around. Yeah, here. yeah, yes, yes. yes. And then it, it played at Nightmares and all that stuff. But I released it to the internet uh, um, a couple weeks ago. So um, that's that on one YouTube. Out. That one's yeah, fun. It's fun. It's like two minutes long, and I ended up using. The guy that I used for the creature is in some of Joshua Hoffine's photos. And if you oh, haven't wow. seen, oh my God. That's how I found wow. him. Because I, I, I contacted Josh. Josh and I are, are good friends. And I was like, hey, dude, I need some guy who would look really good in scary makeup. Um, and he recommended this guy to me. And it, it, it did a great job. That's he's cool. a That's super very nice cool. dude, but he is scary as shit. Yeah. Like he, once he's all like full garbed up, it's like, dude, your nose for His name too. is Bob Barber. Yeah, Bob, he, the, Bob he sounds, the Boogeyman. Yeah. He sounds like someone that he, would have that kind of occupation. He, he, Bob one the of the sweetest man. guys I've ever met. Kind of looks like um, Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. I kinda, I, at first I yeah. was like, is so, it Jackie Earl Haley? Um, and um, so I got him uh, on board to do this short. I said, you're going to be scaring my one-year-old. But <laughs> the good news is you're never going to be in the same shot at the same time. So the shots where I needed to make Willow cry, it was actually my wife and I like, like – pretending to give her a stuffed animal and then pulling it away and then filming her crying about it. I mean, it's, it's horrible. I mean, I can't believe I did it, but, but, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, toddler torture. We were just praising your parental skills earlier. And now, Hey, my kids are involved, you know, hey, like, you gotta learn life lessons now. <laughs> right? So, um, no, it was fun. And so, uh, yeah, the film gets a great reaction and it, it played, Played at quite a few film festivals, and then um, Fun Size Horror picked it up and put it on Amazon as part of their. They did like a um, a series of short films called uh, Shocktail Party, and um, they're on Amazon. It's part of um, part of that series. But then they told me that I could release it to YouTube, and it wouldn't like nice. go against their their contract. So I did that, and um, so go seek it out. I think it's only it's- gotten like two hundred views since I put it on, but. Check it out. Well, we're here at the Panic Film Festival, and you have actually had Schwartz play here before. Um, yeah, I had a film called Counterparts play years ago. I might have been the first Panic Fest. Okay, so you've and you've got a strong tradition back with it then. So I'll, even for you as kind of just someone here that is, and we should say, uh, Patrick's going to be talking the Evil Dead screening afterwards yeah. that's going on as we as we speak. Join us. <laughs> uh, but what's kind of been your journey like from that you know initial submission to a film local film festival to now eight years in? you know, doing everything that you've done. I mean, it's been great. I mean, it's good to get some local support with the short film. And, and um, I mean, that was 2013 or 14, whatever the first year was. Um, it's funny because the little girl that's in the beginning of that short film is now co-starring on Man with a Plan with... Um, Tim uh, Mellon? Oh, not Tim Mellon, the other guy, Matt LeBlanc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, he's a do- he, she's the daughter. Oh, on, yeah. on Man with a Plan. Nice. She's because her mom was the was the lead in in Counterparts. Mm-hmm. So they're out in LA, hopefully making lots of money, living it up. Yeah. So um, and she just did a Robert Rodriguez movie. So yeah, it was really really interesting. That's so um, cool. Where she's gone from doing that short, and um, now I've just done a lot of. Um, I just did a feature film in the summer 
called I Am Lisa. It kind of came to me in a weird way. It was um, It's a horror movie. It's a werewolf movie, but <gasps> it's one of those things where it's more like Wolf, where she doesn't fully transform into a werewolf. She gets kind of ugly looking. Does, does she pee on someone? No, That's... she doesn't pee on okay, anyone. I okay. can maybe go back and shoot that if, if there's a, like demand for it. I just remember seeing Wolf in the theater, and that moment I was like, oh, Jack, yeah. Jack Nicholson just yeah. peed on James Spader. That was weird. But That's an everyday thing for Jack Nicholson. That's and true. James Spader. And, and James, James Spader. Spader. Uh, you know, he was in Secretary, was so that's say, pretty close. Sometimes you're the boss, uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. you're the secretary. So, um... <laughs> It's funny because, yeah, I, I shot this movie over the summer. We actually shot a scene at at this theater. Oh. Um, so it was it was, it was was great. We shot the whole movie in 14 days. We did a couple of days of pickups. Um, it's called I Am Lisa, and it's kind of a revenge female werewolf movie. Dude, I'm sold on wait, the wait, premise hold on. alone. Hold on. A revenge, female revenge werewolf movie. Yes. This is like a great Mad Libs yeah, and I want to well, see this and, movie. And, and, no, I want to see it now. <laughs> all the, all, and most of the villains are women. Okay. So, so there's a like clarity. a pack of girls that, that attack her, and then she goes out and gets revenge, and she turns into kind of, a, I mean, it's more like a werewolf light. Yeah. You know, because I That's wanted fair. it to be more performance-based and not right. like... So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. The sheriff is the, is the main bad guy. It's played by an actress named Manon Halliburton. She's a local actress here in town. There's a lot of theater. Um, the lead actress's name is Christine, uh, Kristen Vaganos. And um, sweet girl. She flew in from L.A. We, we put her up, and she did the role and did a fantastic job. Um, so the post-production on that, now we're in the sound process. Okay. So the editing's done. Because I was curious. I'm, I'm, I right. want to know when do I get to see this. this I'm, is hoping, exactly. I'm hoping it's done by April, to, oh. like screenable. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm going to, like, I mean, the color... Our colorist said he can be done by April. Our composer said she can be done by April. So, um, and movie's about 89, 90 minutes long. Um, perfect. 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 perfect, perfect, perfect. And um, it's a fun movie. I, I, I think that it's, you know, it's a, it is what I tell you it is. It's a revenge, it's a revenge female werewolf movie. Um, you know, these girls leave her for dead and then she gets bit and, and goes after them. And, and, but it's more like, it's also kind of a, a commentary on a girl surviving a, a bad experience, you know, and, and, uh, um, so yeah, no, it is a lot of, it was one, probably the most fun I've ever had working on a movie. Um, that's shoot, even, shooting wise. Nice. Like every day was just great. It yeah. was just great. Well, and I'll, let me say this. Um, I've had a chance to, I really do appreciate, I mean, I always felt I appreciate, you know, filmmakers and what they do, what the hard work it takes to get yeah. everything on screen. Uh, but recently Jill Gavargazian is shooting her first feature film yeah. and I've had a chance to see just the, the sweat and the tears oh, yeah. and all the it's hard brutal. work. It's incredible. So first and foremost, congratulations on your success in terms of the features and the shorts and continuing to expanding yourself yeah. into a film. Again, I am Lisa, which is rad, but Forming the film family and you know, the, working with people, do you find yourself working with the same people? Do you, uh, you know, do you try to? Yeah, I, I think so because I think you have a shorthand with a lot of people. You end up having like a psychic, mm-hmm. yeah. psychic connection. Like I use a lot of the same crew members that are based out of Lawrence or Kansas City. Oh. And um, do you get anyone from KU at all? Yeah, I mean, I went to KU, so a lot I of the did guys. As well. I went to, yeah, so um, there's um, a guy named Tony Ontiveros I work with a lot here in town. Um, Hahnemann Brown Eagle is my DP for a lot of things. The the movie that I ended up working with a different crew on was was Enclosure or Arbor Demon, which actually played a Panic Fest. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, came, it actually was it was because it was the week that the movie came out. Like it worked out perfect. I remember that because it came out in February and it, it like it was overlapping. 
it played at Panic Fest and then it premiered on VOD like that next week or something. So they kept it an extra week. Um, but I worked with a different crew. I worked with the South Carolina crew for that. Um, and a different DP. And I ended up working with that same South Carolina crew again when I did that kids show, The Inspectors. Uh-huh. Because we shot, because <laughs> we shot, it was all shot in, in Charleston. So well, now again, going from horror films to female revenge werewolf movies to shooting kid feature films for kids. Shoot, yeah. What is that like? Is that what I mean? I mean, I, I'm sh- this process is probably the same, but like content wise, is it just content? Yeah, the content's a lot different. But I ended up like with like I did a f- family film that ended up in Walmart. Yes. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. In August, and and the film it's called Belong to Us, and it. But I ended up about doggies. It it has a dog in it. it I wouldn't say it's a dog movie, <laughs> um, but it certainly was marketed that way. Um, it's funny because the movie. I ended up going to my DP and he goes, "How do you want to shoot this?" I said, "Like a horror movie." <laughs> so I said, "Well, I made him watch Green Room," and I said, "You shoot, shoot." Wonderful. So I said, "Okay, here's Green Room. Now take it at it's. I want it to be taken down fifty percent. So not that extreme." You get what I'm saying? He yeah, absolutely. What I was talking oh, yeah. About. Oh, yeah. So there are scenes where you're like, it doesn't look like a family movie. It doesn't look like a Hallmark movie. It doesn't have this. I mean, there are scenes that are inevitably going to look family-ish because they're in a, ha- in a, ha- a happy household. Mm-hmm. But um, Did, the Hallmark veneer is not there. No, and I didn't want that. So yeah. um, so when they the distributor first looked at the movie, they were like, this movie, um, we're going to market it this way. But it has come off a little dark for kids. Which is why when they took it to the Motion Picture Association of America, and I remember I was, I was at a parent-teacher conference, and I literally got a the MPAA called me while I was at a parent-teacher conference, and I got the voicemail and I listened to it, and they're like, "You have received a PG-13." I'm like, "No kidding." All right, well, so that was just a weird. It was a weird. Did thing. you feel like you were being admonished somehow? It's well, just like, it was yeah, just a weird. It's it's, it's it basically that was a moment where I realized how odd my life is because i'm like i'm at a parent teacher conference for my six-year-old at the time or five-year-old at the time and i'm getting a call from the mpaa to give me my rating on a movie that i directed so it's it's this very strange like (laughs) balancing act that i'm doing right now and it's tough because like i work from home and i always have um and when i edit i edited half of arbor demon so the way it worked was my L.A. editor edited the last half. No, I edited the last half of the movie. He edited the first half of the movie. And then I sent everything to him, and then he kind of just went in and made it all flow. But I was doing that while Violet, my now seven-year-old, was was like two between two and three years old. So I had to figure out, okay, how am I, go, how am I going to realistically edit a movie at my computer and take care of a toddler? So... The movie Frozen came in handy for that. Not the Adam Green movie. <laughs> of which is screening here at Panic Fest. Yeah, yeah, which would have been an amazing... I, I, I still live for the day where they have, my, my, my daughter has a sleepover and they want to watch Frozen. Frozen. And I bring out the wrong Blu-ray. But, but anyway, <laughs> so... Um, you uh, want to go skiing? No. So, so, so I'm editing this movie with Fiona Dorff and Jake Busey while she's watching Frozen behind me on repeat. That's... Um, and then I found myself in the same predicament with Belong to Us, the family film, and now I am Lisa because I edited both of those movies. Um, the thing is, now I own a house, I have a mortgage. I was living in a townhouse when I did I um, enclosure. So 
there was less room to run around for Violet so I could keep track of her easier. Now with Willow, I'm editing this movie, and I'd be like, where is she? <laughs> and then I hear her up in the bathroom, or I hear oh. her up in Violet's room, or I hear, and it's like, I don't want... <laughs> I don't want social services hearing this podcast. This, this, this interview. <laughs> I'm screwed. Anyway, so so you know it's a tricky because I like I'm basically balancing parenthood and like I'll be editing and literally she'll be pulling on my arm hair at the same time. And um, have you ever thought of chronicling this? Because I I'm just saying from afar, it just sounds like not necessarily the best sitcom, but just a story yeah. it is, of it, it, finding that. I think that, I'm going like, to look back on it more fondly than I am it, living it, you know? Sure, like, sure. It, it, oh, yeah. it is. It's really hard, and I don't think people realize. And, you know, daycare is not cheap. No. no. And if I'm working from home, why bother paying for it? That's like 250 bucks a week and for it, a good one. And it's not like it's cheap to make a movie. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm doing multiple things and I take her with, I mean, I did, I did Violet's in first grade now. So she's, <laughs> she's off, there, yeah. she's off my slate <laughs> till 345 when she comes home. <laughs> right. I get her on the bus and she's home at 345. So, um, so Willow, yeah, she's, and she's a lot, a lot more active of a kid than Violet in terms of just running around and stuff. So, so, um, I do need to make a horror movie that involves children like throwing ter- uh, temper tantrums. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Maybe Sh- maybe little kids that have like kel- uh, telekinetic powers and they have ter- tam- they have tantrums. Little scanners. Yeah, little yeah. scanners. Exactly. So um, <laughs> so that's my da- my daily routine. Like you know, and if I'm shooting a movie, then I hire a nanny. Um, either they're on set. Like I shot a short <sighs> film in November, and I had a nanny on set to take care of the kids while I'm while I'm shooting, or they're at my house or whatever. Um, so I, I, we have a we have a system for that, mm-hmm. but if I'm editing, I'm just got the, I've just got the kid with me. Um, so um, nap time is super productive. By of the course, way. of you're course, wearing, you're wearing multiple hats and roller skates. Yeah, I mean it's two full time jobs. I'm yeah. working on a movie and I'm trying to make make money as a filmmaker, and I'm watching my kids. But it's pretty inspiring though for any filmmaker that's out there, especially one that does have a family, you yeah. know, one that does have children right. because the priorities like you said they're they they change. Well, they and I, when I was at Nightmares Film Festival in in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio in October, I brought both kids. We all came as a family. We yeah. drove across 12 hours to get Did there. Did the Griswold right? across the way? Yeah, no, totally. And actually they're great on road trips. Um it's flights that are terrible. We just went to <laughs> we just went to Florida for Christmas and it was like um the worst experience flying with both kids. Uh, my wife um, got a seat by herself, which I thought was very strange. I was in the, I was like four rows back with both kids. Um, Man, that's a whole other story. Yeah. So, so um, <laughs> uh, we took the took the kids to nightmares, and I had a filmmaker come up to me with his wife, and he goes, "You've really inspired me because he's like, my wife wants to have kids, but doesn't know how we can make the make it work as a, as me being a filmmaker or whatever." And um, so I thought that was I thought that was cool because cool. yeah. yeah, I'm like get 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 it's, going, buddy, get going, get making the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, as uh, Thornton Mellon said, the best thing about kids is making them. Yes, indeed. But I, um, but uh, um, no, it is possible. It is possible. Yeah. it's just it's just it is. It's it's a lot of work. It is, but. Um, well, it's uh, cool the fact that you've been able to kind of combine and make a crew at this point, people that you know you can right. put together and work mm-hmm. with and work well with. Right. And, and put out quality content. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that, it's again, it's inspiring. So um, uh, transitioning here because I want to make sure we discuss this. Star Wars. 
we're at a genre film festival, and you, we were you were okay, joking and about it. I saw the movie opening night here. Uh, we, we actually also saw it opening yeah. night. I've seen it twice. I've seen it twice. Now, question, question. This is not a uh, what kind of a nerd are you? But I'm 43. I saw the. I I'm saw, 40, so we're about the same. I saw Return yeah. of the Jedi in the theater. Yep, me too. Okay. Yes. Glenwood Arts Theater. No kidding. Well, I was I. Skylar, Nebraska. Okay, you were up north. Okay, Indian Springs. Genius. What was the earliest one? Uh, My earliest one was uh, Return. Return. Okay. Okay. And I asked that because I think when discussing Star Wars now, you have to put it in a weird cultural context of yes. You do because I was there from the original. If if you talk to somebody who's like, I was three when I saw Phantom Menace. It's a completely different conversation. And those movies are for them, and that's the one thing. Walking away from it is just realize those were our Star Wars. They're new generation, but I. Ultimately liked The Force Awakens. I really liked The Last Jedi. Rise of Skywalker. I enjoyed it. It yeah. just it was just so I just wish they could have let it breathe a little bit more. It was the fastest moving Star Wars movie. It was I, pretty it was, quick. They were like really pushing the side wipes. It was they were <laughs> I remember thinking because I saw it here and I was like, oh my god, side wipe. Oh my wait, god, wait. clock wipe. Oh my god. Uh, you know. And and I appreciated that. I thought that they had they were they had the cards stacked against them for oh, that yeah. movie yeah. big time. Yeah. yeah. And I the thing is that like I really like The Last Jedi. In fact, I think that's the best of the three of uh, the trilogy. A lot of people don't agree with it. Oh this. no, that's it's And 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 it's funny cuz like my buddy um Kendall who co-wrote Nailbiter with me hates The Last Jedi. He now, he now hates does he, it. Does he hate it as a uh, uh, swimming? No, I mean he hates uh, it as in just, he puts it last in the in his in this, rankings. In this, okay. That being said, he said after seeing Rise of Skywalker, which he really liked, really really liked, he said it made the Last Jedi, Jedi better to him. Ah, so he did it reverse engineered ah. because it yeah. So it, it, interesting because it's I feel like. I feel like it wasn't going to please everybody no, no matter well, what. Well, and, and and I think that my biggest problem was they never explained how Palpatine's still alive ever to the point where they're like, just accept this. And I can't. I, that was the one that was like, can you at least throw out more than just. Uh, he, he, he found a way to do He found death. a way. Well, that's easy to say. Did uh, any of you read uh, the Dark Empire graphic novels that back Dark Horse Back in the day. Part? Yeah, back in the day. Because they did a whole cloning of the Emperor thing yeah. with Luke battling him. And yeah. again, very nerdy stuff there. Yeah, but. Yeah. But it looked like he was like he was like taken with a claw handle out of the Death Star, and he's just being hauled around. I kind of like that though because it reminded me of. I'm going to get really nerdy here. It hold on, hold me, on. Okay, I'm going to throw it. Overdog. Overdog. Yep. Okay, sorry. Yep. Yeah. In fact, I joked about it afterwards. I said, I said, J.J. Abrams either really liked Space Hunter yes. and Hellraiser two. Yes. Because the whole time, the everything the on yeah. everything on Exegol, I was like. This looks like Hellraiser. Yeah, Why am the I the map paintings and the big like like the uh, lightning flashes and all that, that stuff? Doctor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here comes Papple, Papaltine with well, the, like, he, the Cenobite uh, like, thing. You know, he's gone on record saying he really <laughs> loves Phantasm, which oh, yeah. it's one of his favorite horror movies, and so that's where uh, Captain Phasma came from. And the whole restoration, um, actually. Right. But I think honestly, I liked Rise of Skywalker a little bit more than Force Awakens, and I and I and I not sure why yet. I think when I rewatch it, I think there's a parts of The Force Awakens that drag for me, and nothing dragged I, well, to yeah, a fault. Nothing dragged. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was like you never were able to like take a breath. No, you were always in a new place. R2D2 and C3PO are running. Yeah, oh man, it moved fast. Now, what do you think about all the Trevaro, the script that he wrote? Here's the thing. It looks rad. It does look rad. However, so does all the 
concept art for the prequels. Of course. Like yeah. everything, every time there's a concept art. So <laughs> my question is like, is it, had he made his movie and then we would have been seeing concept art of Exegol mm-hmm. and. Oh my God, and, that's amazing. And, and like yeah, the, we should have got that movie. And the Crash Death Star. Everybody yep. would have been like, that would have been better. Yeah. So like, I'm kind of like, guys, it's. Well, and let me ask you this. Right. I'm just like, can you approach Star Wars as a mature person, as a 40 year old and go, you know what? It's a movie. It is a movie initially for kids when we were kids. We've grown up with it. You know, does Star Wars get to grow up with it or is it always trying? It's trying to hit so many audiences now that I think that it's that it's detriment, you know? Well, and I think I mean, you know, honestly, I always feel like Star Wars needs 10 years to really feel like because I feel like the prequels now, everyone is going back. Did people more people like them now for some reason. Oh, I'm yeah. like, are you guys crazy? I like them. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I like yeah, them. Yeah. But Attack of the Clones is clearly the worst Star Wars movie. Clearly. It's pretty rough. It like, is and, rough. and so, video so game when level. like Forbes yeah, So when Forbes mag uh Forbes online posted that Rise of Skywalker was the worst Star Wars movie and then I went and saw it, I'm like, Are you out of your mind? <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> it's, uh and so I'm just kinda like I would put it like I said, I would rank it probably in the middle. It, and that's fair. That's fair. I like I said. I've se- I've seen it multiple times. Yeah. Ultimately, and you know, Lando coming back is nice. And again, that's when they're hitting those nostalgic sweet spots. But which I is fine. And I mean, that's I, just it. I I was actually invested though in the Ray story and the Kylo. Story. I was invested in the new yeah, characters. Yeah. Where I was like, I don't need the old ones. And yeah. well, he's barely in it though. Oh yeah. I mean, they like they barely a sprinkling. Put, yeah, but like the, I thought that Kylo Ren's arc was good. Yeah. I liked it. Now that if you hear about what Trevorrow was going to do. He never, he never, doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't get redeemed, re- doesn't get redeemed. And then everybody would have complained about that. Did you guys see the meme with the guy as, as sitting at his computer and they go, this is what would happen if Return of the Jedi was released today. Oh. And he's like, oh God, their brother and sister, that's lazy writing. Oh, Ewoks, they're just stupid teddy bears. Like yep. that is exactly what yep. would happen now. So it's like at, at some point you just have to kind of tune it all out. Yep. Cause I mean, if you go online, it's just like, well, and I think ultimately my point is this, I am 43 I liked the new Star Wars because there's no there's no reason to hate it. No, you, to, to take invest that much time to hate something, it's right. just like it's silly. Yeah, it's, it's just easier silly. to like it. And, yeah. and those are all the people who were like cl- looking forward to it. I, I don't understand the concept of looking forward to something just so to much on it. just to crap on it. Right, right. and I'm like, ugh. I know. I like oh, this too short. Anyway, they, they also need to realize Star Wars is more for just white dudes, which is another thing they have an issue with. Anyway, anyway, no. that's a. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. That's another <laughs> tangent. Uh, I don't know how much time do we have here because we're about twenty-five minutes in. Question: When are we going to see a hardcore horror inspectors episode? <laughs> yeah, right. No, they canceled the show. Um, so they only did four seasons. I worked on. I edited one episode of season two. I wrote for season three and four. I directed for season three. So um, they're not on CBS anymore. You can get the episodes on CBS All Access, but you would have to. A pay for, pay for that. Yeah. That's okay. But if you're going to get Picard. Picard. Picard, Picard. You, exactly. Right? Exactly. Piggyback from Picard. Yes. That actually yeah, works we can start really talking. Well. I, haven't seen, I haven't seen Picard yet, so. I uh, heard it's crazy good. I, I, yeah. Everybody likes it except Entertainment Weekly. I just saw the Entertainment Weekly review, and it was like. What? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the same you. thing. Sometimes it's the same thing. They're, they're mad that it's just got too much fan service. I'm like, well, 
if it didn't have any fan service, people would complain. There's no, there's, it's not for the fans. It's not the same thing. It's just, it's sci-fi fans. They're win. so fickle. Yeah. It's horrible. It's win. horrible. Nope. This is why you do need to go straight into children's television. Just avoid all these genre fans because you're, they're just so I fanboyish. Mean, fuck it, dude. Combine the two. We need yeah, children's exactly. television horror. Yeah. No. Totally. Totally. You will be the bridge. Inspectors like the dark version. Exactly. It's like a saw. If I can. Yeah. Like exactly. a saw version. Yes. Yeah. Postal workers trapped in a room. They you have to like saw. Their arms off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So, um, so right now in post production, I have a short film called Spiritual Practice. Um, I'm done with the edit, so it's going to go to to sound, and it's it's kind of a. I might talk about it tonight a little bit because it has a little bit of Evil Dead influence. Cool. Um, but it's a possession short. Um, that has a twist. It's 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 a ver- it's a type of possession sh- uh, story that I don't think has ever been done before. Cool, nice. very cool. So, um, and it's like a nine minute short film. So I'm throwing that out to the world here pretty soon. And then I am Lisa, which is um, hopefully going to be done by April. And then the, I'm trying to get Nailbiter two made still. So you know, as long as people still like the first one, mm-hmm. I mean, I I haven't really I didn't settle on a script until like last month, oh, like because wow. I kept rewriting and I kept thinking, okay, I have to make this something that's self-contained because it's been so long since the first movie. But I also it also has to work as a sequel. Sure. So it's this very like tough thing to, and it's funny because I have a guy who was working on the inspectors co-writing it with me. So there's very no nice. postal workers in it, but <laughs> man, and it's definitely not a kids movie. Um, awesome. but hopefully we'll get it off the ground. I've got a producer working on it right now, and he, this producer, just got a movie in the South by Southwest. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. it can't hurt. Absolutely. So, well, since well, you know, we're going to be on the lookout for it. Yeah, yeah. And of course, congratulations. Hopefully, to, five years later, I'm not having the same conversation. No, 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 no. It'll be looking back, going, "Damn, that was a great five years." Yes, exactly. Can you believe it? No, sincerely. But thank you for taking the time because no we've been. Our ships pass all the time. Of course. And we'll definitely have you on for a proper episode as well to invest some more time because, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's horror, genre, Star Wars, does not matter. I just like it when people get to enjoy talking that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, until this next uh, Panic Fest Dispatch, is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in Panic. Thank you. Where can we find you out again? Uh, I'm on Facebook, Patrick M. Ray. Instagram, Patrick M. Ray. R-E-A. Some people pronounce it Rhea, but it's Ray. Ray. Um, Yeah. So look me up. Excellent. Cool. All right. We'll be back to do some more panicking. <laughs>